Not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime. Prime time. It's XL Prime Time, featuring Joe C. Why in the world am I sitting back and being quiet about this? Matt Hayes. That's not how it works. Mia O'Brien. Should I laugh? Should I not laugh? And Leon Searcy. This is the big boy league. How you like me now? Welcome in. 2023 is here. The noon hour. On a Tuesday, thanks to Beaver Chevy and Beaver Toyota has arrived. XL Primetime coming out of the long holiday weekend. uh, And hopefully everybody had a great time ringing in the new year. Sad news from last night. We're going to begin our show with that. uh, But it's certainly something that's been talked about from last night when it went down all the way through the evening, particularly on social media, and then into today. Uh, and we got to talk about it, that's for sure. But we also have to talk about your Jaguars uh, a few days away from maybe winning their first AFC South division title in half a decade. And really, it's not easy to come by. Before 2017, this team had not won a division title since 1999. So welcome in. Let's welcome Matt Hayes back from vacation. After uh, some time off, you are back and ready to rock and roll. Are you? Are you charged up? <laughs> we missed you, bro. Up, we missed you, bro. I missed you too, man. Yeah. I love y'all. Yeah. We did enjoy yeah. reading your tweets uh, yeah, we while did, you though. weren't here. We yeah. we did enjoy. Uh, well, I was still working. I just them. wasn't working with y'all. That's yeah, all. exactly. Mm-hmm. And you, you split up your full work day is basically right. what you did. Right, what I did. All right. He so- was sending me YouTube videos incessantly for a week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like uh, negative LeBron videos or pro Jordan, just like constantly. Yeah, yeah, I that, appreciated that's, that. That's, that debate will never, ever, ever <laughs> end. All right. So let's get to the news of the night and now into today uh, before we talk about the Jaguars, and, and we always look to Big Surce, a, a, a pro bowler, an all-pro performer, uh, and a Hall of Famer down at the U. Uh, one of your NFL mates, you could say, family, as you like to describe it, went down last night, mm-hmm. and it scared the hell out of everybody. And it, you know, what was going through your mind? And then we, you know, we well, obviously have to advance this, but still, what was going through well, your you mind? Well, you know, it was the first time in my career uh, where I was frightened. Mm-hmm. I was terrified. I was traumatized, to be quite honest with you. Because I was listening to all the pundits earlier today on the on the show on the TV shows talking about uh, we knew what we were signing up for. Absolutely not. I did not sign up for the fact that I would die on the football field. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what I signed up for. I, I, I mean, and he was resuscitated, mm-hmm. but because I, I put myself, I put myself in that position not only as a player but as a parent. Because I call those those players now kids. They're mm-hmm. kids. Right. I mean, I could be a lot of their daddies. I I I just I was just experimenting, I was experiencing myself as a parent watching my son fall out on the football field. Yeah. And I, w- I was devastated. And this notion that we need to, do, the, the coin the phrase that we would die for it is uh, we need to bury that. Because yeah. there's a lot of players say, I mean, I'll die for this, I'll die for this. No, you absolutely would not. There's nothing poetic about a 24-year-old kid dying on the football field. And... Uh, what's cool is when you're older, when you're where when you're ninety some years old, you got your kids, your parents, you, you got your grandkids, your great grandkids, and you pass away. That nothing's cool about that. And um, and we were talking about this earlier on the air, earlier in the. We have a tendency to normalize stuff like this. We normalize, and and I'm not I'm not saying that the fans need to see this, but I'm just saying that we normalize injuries to players too often. Uh, as pawns for your fantasy football, like ACLs, MCLs. Right. I mean, that kind of stuff, stuff that's torn from your bones, your ligaments, and all that kind of stuff, we kind of just normalize. I was sitting in the bar the other day when they was talking about Smoot 
and he had ruptured his Achilles, right? Right. The fan next to me said, oh, well, the Jaguars can get him on the cheap now. And I'm saying, what? What are you saying? The Jaguars can get him on the cheap because this man ruptured. He ruptured his Achilles for your entertainment, and you're you're okay with that. Yeah, and I, that, I mean, that, I, that's I, why I have a problem. I just have a problem with because I just have a problem with with fans kind of normalizing this kind of stuff. Not not this. This is something that's traumatic. Okay, yeah. someone died. You know, that had to be resuscitated. Yeah, field. But I'm saying stuff like ACLs, MCLs, uh, tears, bicep, tricep, all that kind of stuff is normalized because. They're nothing more than pawns for your entertainment. Well, we always like saying, "Next man uh, uh, up," and and get pick, put that guy to the side, bring another superstar in, so you can keep yeah, entertaining me. That's it's, honestly that does happen a lot in a lot it, of people. It does. I, I also think that's a minority too. I don't think that's the majority. You of think people. that's a minority? I think really? I don't. I don't think that's the majority of people. Honestly, I, I truly believe that with circumstances like that, with significant injury injuries, and then specifically this type of thing last night, that's transcendent to sport, man. That's where people start looking at that. And you see, he's 24 years old. Yeah. And if you're a guy or a woman and you're older than that, immediately you start counting years. He's 24. I'm X. I got X amount to live. Mm. You know what I mean? Suddenly you start to see, wait, life is, wait. I think those are moments where everybody starts to see life is different than what they grind through every single day. You know, it starts to hit him real quick. Like, whoa, this could happen at any time. So I, I understand what you're saying and I agree with you, mm-hmm. but I think it's more the minority than the majority. I really do. Because I know Ryan Clark said last night, um, which kudos to Scott Van Pelt. I do want to repeat the tweet, and I'm sorry if this offends anyone. In a world of Skip Baylesses, please be a Scott Van Pelt, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, because him and Ryan Clark put on an absolute masterclass, and it was just extremely professional in how they handled an unprecedented situation on SportsCenter last night because they were thrown to way earlier, mm-hmm. and they anticipated doing that post game. But Ryan Clark referenced Leon. Um, you know, the next time you hear someone, you know, complain about this guy ruined me in fantasy or this guy's washed up. He doesn't care about our team. He doesn't, you know, he's worthless. Like, I don't care about that player. Like, think about this incident next time that that happens. Yeah, yeah um, but, you know, it didn't. Ha- it shouldn't have to gotten to this point where this inc- incident to where, you know, you, you I keep using the word normalize. Well, you normalize like rips and tears from the bones and ligaments and, and muscles and all that. Kind. These are human beings that are out here for you. And I feel like the gladiator, are you, mm-hmm. are you not entertained? Huh? Where yeah, you, yeah where but you know, to be fair, human beings see it and go, oh, my God, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah, that, the dorks and, doing fantasy see it, and they think, oh, hey, now, hey, now what hey, am I going to do? No, you're among those dorks right, right now. The first time, you're trying hey, to win in your first fantasy time, I almost won it, too. No, yeah, but I'm saying, yeah. I, mean, does, does that, I mean, does it really sink in that these guys are tearing – um, sure it does. Muscle yeah. and limb yeah, for your does. entertainment. Does it really? I, I don't think so. I, think I don't most, think it does. I don't think it does. See, I think you guys are you guys are too far deep in the Twitter but, sewer but, but, right no, now. No, no, just, no, you are. No, 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 no. Are they doing it just for our entertainment, though? Yeah. I mean, these guys get paid. See, I knew that was coming next. I knew that was coming next. It's it's risk associated with the reward, and you're right. And honestly, I look at him like ACL. All right, he'll be back in ten months, twelve months, or whatever. So JJ, you're telling me that these guys should be penalized because they. Chose a better profession than someone no, else. I don't no, think I'm saying, saying that, at all. that comes no, with no, the no, work. I'm saying, I think, I think but wherever you want, but here's the thing: whatever. But I'm just saying. No, but what I'm saying is, you you're saying that they that they they chose this profession, so therefore they should endure 
whatever no, comes along no, with it. No, not endure. No, 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 no. I'm All saying I'm saying that is they, that is part is of part, the price yes. that goes into yeah. their it's contracts. It's the risk-reward. You know that, bro. You yeah. know that. And Playing the sport is risk-reward. That, that's the injury. No, no, no. I didn't, listen, I didn't sign up for a football thing that I would die no, on the I know field. That. No, I know resuscitated. that. I know that. All I'm saying is you certainly have known since you first started playing in high school that there's a there is a risk to playing this sport. Yeah, in other there words, 100 percent is. You, you went through. There's a your, risk. That's separate there's from a risk to dri- There's a risk to driving the car, but there not, is, I, there see is, y'all get on no bus. I know. I guess what I'm saying is, I, to me, there's a different. I understand what you're saying. Those two things are separate. The risk to playing the game is real. Some idiot on Twitter saying this guy's you know he's no longer my fantasy team. That's not real. That's fantasy. Right. That's yeah. dumb. And, and and look, we can be very callous and heartless and all that. Until That's all I'm saying. Yeah, until something <laughs> serious happens. Callous. And then you might be <laughs> Come on, man. And heck, uh, Nor heartless. One of the talking heads on ESPN today said it, and it's true. Uh, there are people that are aching for this guy that five minutes before that play didn't know who Even he was. Even I was, right. Okay? I had no and idea. So th- Those are real people. Yeah. Beyond. There's nothing you can, you can do beyond that. But it's still, it's a scary situation. And I've told this story before, but the, the – like, I've seen this happen in front of me, uh, and it scares you to death to what you're saying, and that's a phrase. That's not a real. Uh, but yeah. uh, my daughter's basketball team, I've told the story before on air, is that she is dribbling down the basketball court. She is barely 16, 17 years old, and she collapses on the basketball floor. And you didn't know what to do at that moment, but everything, including the man above, made sure that things were okay because as she collapsed, she stops breathing. They had just barely fixed the defibrillator and brought it back into that gym earlier that day, just as soon as a a heart surgeon, Dr. George, whose kids were playing that day, he was running late, walks in the door just as it happens. And so they grab the defib. They basically resuscitate her. She coughs up, you know, whatever the fluids that she had. And I'm telling you, her head hit the ground. It scared everybody. And she was not breathing for a couple of minutes. And Megan, who just is the strongest kid you've, you've ever seen, bottom line is they take her to Flagler, and Flagler had just gotten uh, the new medical technology to put someone in an ice coma, into a cold coma. And they did that. And they thought, as soon as you hear the word coma, that this is the worst possible right, thing. Right. And Dr. George said, oh, it's no, the best thing. this is the best thing yep. because the rest of your body does not have to work. It does all these other things. And so she was not able to breathe for at least a couple of minutes. And you know, we're talking about traumatized Leon. Like you're saying, these are teammates that are teenagers. And so they come through. She comes through this. She has to have a pacemaker put in. And as far as we know, is living a great life right. over at the University of Florida and everything's great. But so I'm hoping everyone's just wanted news immediately last night yeah. and this morning. That's impossible. So I will tell you this, um, working with the non- local nonprofit who mm-hmm. we play for, who does great work in Duval County. They do awesome work down in Volusia County, the Daytona Beach area, mm-hmm. as well as kind of where they're based, Cocoa Beach, exactly, Melbourne area. And, you know, in working with them and the mini documentary I did last year for First Coast News with them, none of these cases, no, no two of them are the same. And that's the difficult part, I think, for people to understand because everybody's refreshing Twitter and they're looking for updates. But the fact of the matter is I can tell you two cases of individual athletes I worked with in the last three years who went into sudden cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. One of them walked out of the hospital two days later after being, you know, let's be real, dead on a gym floor mm-hmm. for three minutes. She mm-hmm. walked out of the hospital two days later. There's been other instances where it takes two or three weeks because they don't know if it's a pre-diagnosed condition or not. What I can tell you is in talking to some of the folks over there who are – 
much more medically, you know, mm-hmm. you know, are much more professionally trained in this, and so they can really speak to it. But what I can tell you, and I'm sure many of you have seen this on a lot of programs this morning, um, Kamosho Cordis, Cordice mm-hmm. yeah. is the sudden cardiac arrest condition that right now is being speculated um, that DeMar Hamlin suffered from, and it's one that we see a lot in mixed martial arts. Um, it's one that, you know, one of our, my, my guy, Sean Seema, give a shout out to Jacksonville Zone, mm-hmm. um, who runs, one of the directors of who we play for, you know, he sent me the link that they use when they're discussing sudden cardiac arrest. You see it in jiu-jitsu, karate, UFC. Um, they have seen it in Little League. Lauren Brooks texted me this morning about high school lacrosse. They've seen it, a line drive to yeah. the head, or to the chest, excuse me, and it hits in the wrong spot. And so for everyone who is speculating what triggered this? I mean, we're not going to know for a couple of days, to your point, yeah. Joe, about the coma. And that that's another very critical thing because getting oxygen to all those vital organs is so important. That's why it's so critical. And we cannot thank the NFL staff and the trainers that got out onto the field and performed CPR oh, yeah. for nine minutes. We cannot thank them enough because that was so life-saving. And that is what saved Keontae Johnson's life. Mm-hmm. You go largely. back to the, when the Gator collapsed and we're going back now. It's been three seasons and he's able to have a productive life now. And, and Keontae had to sit in that hospital for how yeah. many days that we all were um, looking around. But yeah. it's because I know it's tough to understand right now, but sometimes the best thing we can do is just give the brain, give the heart time to yeah. rest. And again, and, I'm not a doctor. I can just tell you from working with these organizations, I know it's tough, but like that, and that's where now this waiting game comes into play and it's difficult. It's like we're not entitled to information. His family is entitled Correct. to information. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing. Everyone wants to, to have the information now in our well, I mean, what, what the fans happen. have to understand and, and know that the NFL is blunt force trauma. Mm-hmm. All right, every player is blunt force trauma because you, you're you're talking about guys running at miles per hour, hitting each other's at full impact for sixty minutes of football, and bumps, bruising, ligaments, tears, all that stuff is assessed while you're playing football. <clears throat> and then a lot of fans will understand that. And I had to do this for eleven years while I was playing. You know, you have to recoup. After you play, the, the the tub, the warm tub, the ice bags, the ice and stem, the massage, all that kind of stuff is in play for you just to get up and go to practice the next yeah, day. Yeah. So, so, I mean, but I didn't sign up. I didn't sign up for this guy died and had to be resuscitated on the field. No, I didn't see that. That was not in my contract. And I'm not making light of it, but, but I was terrified last night mm-hmm. watching that, seeing that guy pass out yeah. on the ground. Had to be resuscitated because I had never seen anything like that before in my life. I think the odd thing is, is people don't understand is that that could happen every play. Every play, there's it a could. there's a it collision could. on yes. every play Correct. that could lead to something like Absolutely. that. That's Absolutely, that's the whole point of it. It's yeah. it's I mean it is there and it's real and it's every single play. Yeah, and in a lot of ways we are lucky. The players are lucky that you know. Yeah, like, that it doesn't have more jo- often. Jo- yes. Josh Allen, you can just see see the look on his face. It was just it was just. Woo. All right, so and that's the bigger question, by yeah. the way, that I know we'll we'll dive into. And right now, again, Demar Hamlin's health and safety, and yeah. our thoughts are with his family. That's most important. But that's something I brought up in the pre-show meeting. How can you look at Josh Allen's face and say to him, "Yeah, you need to go play now." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or yeah. you need to go play tomorrow. Well, and that's the good. Like we're all talking. Like, unfortunately, the NFL is a machine. It keeps rolling. We got to talk about with some excitement about what's happening here Saturday night. But they need to settle the AFC playoff picture. And it just so happened, two teams playing last night were playing for a possible number one seed. This is not a game that you can just say, "Hey, uh, Texans versus Cardinals. The game's meaningless. Let's just go ahead and cancel it." You can't do that. 
uh, unfortunately. Now, let's just get to something that is pretty dang exciting, and I know you Jaguar fans are pumped up because of everything that happened Sunday. A, a beatdown against your uh, hated Titan or Texans team. Jacksonville goes into Houston and had lost nine straight times to the same team inside the AFC South. They ended a more than four-year losing streak. Trevor Lawrence had lost to this team three times, and look what he was able to do along with the rest of the team. They just blow out the Texans, and now you've got a chance to win the AFC South against the Titans Saturday night. Leon, I heard Jeff Lagerman say this earlier, that he thinks this is the biggest regular season game in, in the bank in NFL history. I don't know, man. I still think the game in 1996 was as big as it gets against the Atlanta Falcons, but this was pretty dang big. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I would tend to agree with Lagerman, but then I would have to happily dis- disagree with Lagerman mm-hmm. because – I would agree to the fact that it's, it's our rival, the Tennessee Titans. I mean, you win, you you, you get in. It's, it's no bigger game than that. But I think that in 96, when we beat Atlanta, that was like the birth of the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah. as a franchise. You know, I know the teams came in in 95. But a lot wasn't expected out of the team in 95. In 96, a lot wasn't expected. We made a run. Atlanta, Mortensen misses the field goal, and then that was our run in 96. It was a launching pad. It was a launching pad, absolutely. But these are the Titans, and they did cost us a Super Bowl. So I understand Mm -hmm. where his his gripe and his malice stands because – well, I, I know I do. I absolutely agree with it, where the model stand. This team cost us the Super Bowl. Yeah, I called Houston last week. They're basically Duval's Dracula. You need to put a stake in their heart, okay? They had beaten you nine times. You need to beat them. That's what you need to do. And in a lot of ways, you need to do this to the Tennessee Titans, okay? Dip them in a vat of mayonnaise and don't, you know, don't let them come up. And basically, this team, Jacksonville, Duval. Man. I know it's disgusting. Uh, Duval has a chance <clears throat> to have a winning record in the AFC South for the first time in, in half a decade. We're talking this team has already dropped a couple of games to Houston and to Indianapolis. They got yeah. a chance now to go four and two in the AFC South. You gotta get the job done, man. This is I mean, I don't know how we can underscore this more. This team won four games in the yeah. last two years. Four games. In the last two years, they've doubled that this year. They won four games I mean, in the what? last four weeks. It's, it's yeah. I mean, it's just amazing the transformation, the metamorphosis even of this program, this franchise. This season, just just you 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 look at this team. You look where they were, and they were three and seven. We were like, are they going to win? Are they going to win again? And now it just changes, just yeah. literally flips right there on a dime. And it, now here you are. This, look, you're in this game. That place will be packed Saturday night. Oh my god, it gosh, will be yes. rocking like it never has before. Uh-huh. You you got it. Not only, just go out there and get it, man. Like when they first announced it was a Saturday night game, and people were complaining that the Jags were going to get rest and the Titans had more. So what? Go get man, it, man. We don't need go no, get it. Bro, we don't need no stinking. Right. Go okay. get it, man. If you're not right hyped there. for this game this week, right. uh, I, I question your fandom. Yeah, well, I absolutely question your fandom. It doesn't matter. There's a well, you know, the Titans got more. We're the better team. We're the better team offensively, defensively, special teams. We should beat them the same way we beat the Texans. Absolutely. We should beat them the same way. 100%. And they're, they're, they're in our way. That's the way this team has approached it the last four weeks. You're in our way. And we've got to do something about it. I, I love, I love that mentality. Is, is you win this game, the first playoff game is going to be against one of two teams you've already beaten this year. Yeah. Yeah. So you got. I mean, this is long term stuff, Baltimore. man. I'd prefer it be Baltimore. I, who cares who it is? Yeah. Yeah. It's but it's long term stuff, man. Yeah. This is real right now. Yeah. This well, is real. You got to get to that stadium Saturday and, and be crazy. Yeah. Be absolutely crazy. 
what Doug Peterson has been able to do is build a belief in what you're doing that the hard work works and that, you know, you can easily get past that last game by getting fired up for the next game because these are things that have not been done in this city in a long, long time. And that's really how how you have to look at it. Well, the scariest thing Doug has got this team doing is believing. Mm -hmm. It don't matter who we play on any Sunday, we can beat them. And that's the way this team played the last couple of weeks. I don't care who we play, we're going to beat you. We're going to play solid. We're going to play solid defense. We're going to get after. We're going to cause turnovers. We're going to get interceptions. We're going to get fumbles. We're going to get strips. We're going to attack you offensively. Huh? We're going to get our play, play our, our, the ball to our playmakers. We're going to run it down your throat, and Trevor's going to throw bombs. Point blank. That's serious. what's going. And we're to not going to beat yes. ourselves. Right. We're not going to. We're not going to commit turnovers, penalties, or, or, or knucklehead plays that we did early on in the season mm-hmm. that cost us that five game losing streak. Yes. They're not doing those mistakes anymore. They're not doing it anymore. Uh, they're beating teams. They're Every not beating team. them themselves. Now, here's this the team thing could you easily, yeah. this team right now is eight and eight. It could easily be eleven and five. Yeah. yeah. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. oh yes. But here's the other thing you've got to remember: they just now have paddled Davis Mills and Zach Wilson, and they're going to see Josh Dobbs next. Okay. So let's just make sure that we temper a little enthusiasm and make sure that they get no, ready. Joe. But that's no. not our fault. We're not yeah. tempering. No, 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 that's I'm not saying, our fault. I'm just no saying way. those are the quarterbacks yeah, that they have beaten and will face. It's literally flipped it's a, right now. It's a good thing. You know that, right? It, it's a, no, I'm just saying it's a good thing, but don't think that they're world beaters that they can beat anybody. It's gone from you being well, cheerleader Joe yeah, to me yeah. saying, no, no. Yeah, this team's real. It now, has man. flipped. Yeah, this you, team has come. Listen, you, Rick Ballou, yeah. Hacker, yeah. you're listen, all on the train. This, this team is, easy. is real. It's and listen, different because light it, work. they're real because of 16. That's why they're real. Listen, oh, yeah. we can't help with the Globe Charters than the Generals. All right, <laughs> we can't help that. We can't help that. We can't help that the quarterback situation yeah. watch the Generals. So, I do want we're gonna take full advantage of it. That it is gonna be Dobbs this week. Yes. yes. Yeah. They've Mike gone Vrabel with him. announced oh, yesterday. Mike Vrabel did announce yesterday. Speaking of Mike Vrabel, not only did he meet with the media yesterday, Doug Peterson met with the media as well. So we'll have that audio at some point during today's program, but I do want to touch upon, since it was discussed at nauseum this weekend, what a Saturday night game means for the schedule on yeah. short rest. Our guy, Coach Dave Campo, was yeah. calling me bright and early yesterday morning. He wasn't happy. What I will tell you from speaking with Doug Peterson myself as far as the schedule goes, the Jaguars are in the building today. Brandon Scherf actually just met with the media at mm-hmm. the podium. Um, they have foregone any other select Jaguar players um, because they are having a team meeting in light of the DeMar Hamlin tragedy um, because uh, the players weren't supposed to report today because usually Tuesday is an off day across the rest of the National Football League outside of these Saturday games. All those players are off. And so the Jags are in the building from – 11.30 11.30 today until about 7.30 tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little bit unorthodox, but that's why they're now having a team meeting to kind of reflect on what occurred last night. And obviously, listen, on this program we joked a lot about the healing. I, I, I do think that there is some merit, just like the four of us, five of us with JJ included, mm-hmm. you know, like sitting here talking about what occurred oh. last night. I think there's merit to that, so that's yeah. okay. So we only will hear from Brandon Scherf, but we'll have that audio as well, courtesy of Jaguars.com. Tomorrow's a normal day. Thursday is a normal day. Friday, it'll be more like a Saturday, like a walkthrough-ish right. is what Doug said. Um, like a like a walkthrough, but they will practice a little bit, Leon. Like it's it's nothing contact per se, yeah. but Wednesday and Thursday will be cram-packed a little, jam-packed a little bit more than usual because then obviously they turn around and then they have a Saturday night. Yeah, it's just such a big yeah. and fun week for this franchise right now. So you guys jump in, yeah. 641-1010. You can, hit the life, you can hit the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures and just bring it, okay? You can hit the pop-off line, 207-7071 if you want to get fired up. But this is what you were dreaming about all of December, and here we are in January and you got a chance to make a major statement, a touchdown favorite over the hated Tennessee Titans. 
backfield, dropping the throws, Davis Mills. Throws it out to the left side, that ball came out. That ball has come out there. Tyson Campbell picks it up. He's gonna run it into the end zone for the touchdown. The ball popped out, Campbell picked it up, and he scores for Jacksonville. We saved you a seat. It's Lunch with Leon on 1010XL. Brought to you by Wingstop. Tuesday edition of XL Primetime rolling on. And if you can believe it, folks, the beauty of the work week starting on a Tuesday and your Jacksonville Jaguars getting flexed to primetime on Saturday night means that we're only five days away. Yeah. You don't have to wait that extra sixth day, folks. Four days, technically, because we're already halfway through Tuesday. Yeah, everyone's fired up. Vic Michelucci's leaving the studio right now. He's so fired up. Channel 4 comes rolling in because... Ah, he's going to go turn it on in his car. That's what we like. You You especially need to go turn it on your car, Vic, because we got Aaron Beasley, former Jaguar great, joining us in just a little bit. So you're going to make sure you want to listen to our guy, Killer Bees. Did you almost do the Seinfeld thing there, by the way? Did you almost do that? Well, it's really not five days. Really, you know, you go to sleep tonight and then... Tomorrow's there, and it's really not the next day. JJ smiling, having, JJ smiling in there because he knows unintentional. Seinfeld. I've been I've been <laughs> quietly trying to watch more Seinfeld so yeah. I can keep up with the two of you. So uh, <laughs> it's been my my one little like whenever I see it on TV, I'm like I should just turn this on. At least I'll have some jokes ready for that. By the Smart. way, uh, Vic Michelucci would qualify as Big Vic, but that's not my neighbor, Big Vic. Right. Big Vic right, is right. just a totally totally different. A big cat. victory for Big Vic yesterday. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sixty three to. Seven for, was yeah, or something it, like that? Yeah, and uh, look, uh, they just got a victory for Keishon Butte, too. Yeah, yeah. Him coming back. Yeah. Well, did you no, hear I'm the conspiracy? I, that's what I'm, that's yeah, what I'm him saying. Him coming back, him not coming that's back. kind of what I'm saying. There's a sex party conspiracy, Joe. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard about this, I, but it's very Viking sex boatish. Oh. And okay, it so involves LSU and their coaching staff and Butte. All right, you need Booty to tell and Butte. We got to call, call Aaron Beasley, but I'm dying to hear this story because Big Vic had you haven't heard this. A, another controversial thing as far as what was going on, but I don't know that he got to the root of it. And so that one is, uh, yeah, could, could, be a little, could be a little trouble. Well, the first mistake is that you don't go party with your coaches, all right? Yeah. All right that's the first mistake right there and there, all right? I think they yeah. were trying to keep him in school, you know, in the NIL no, well, and the partying. I think I remember this line from Source a long time ago. He says something to the effect of they were somewhere, and he saw assistant coaches walk in, and they walked right out. Is that is that basically what exactly, it was? Basically, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, do not party where they are. Uh, that makes the most sense in the world. Real quick before we say hi to Killer Bees, I know a lot of folks on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures pointing out and, of course, paying their tributes to another one that we lost way too soon over the past weekend, uh, a former Jaguar great. Yeah, Uchi Waniri was just 38 years of age in, in an apparent heart attack. And I just, your heart, you're talking about your heart aching and, and, you know, you know certain guys that we hope that Jamar Hamlin comes out okay. But Uche, at 38 years of age, way, way, way too early. And I don't know that we know all the details, and hopefully we'll find out more. But, you know, condolences, thoughts, and prayers uh, go to uh, the Waniri family because – you know, he's a jag uh, through and through, diehard, and would pop on 1010XL quite often. Yeah, we'd go on Rick's yeah. show like a few times and, a year. And we would have Just him on back on, in the day, Pack yeah. and I, and, and uh, I, I was always an Uche fan, and, you know, prayers for sure. Let's say hello to another former Jaguar now. Now. Yeah. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Aaron Beasley joining us by way of the Fair and Farrah phone line. Uh, where in the world is Aaron Beasley today? Because I know uh, I'm assuming he'll be down here in Jacksonville Saturday night rocking at the bank, won't you, Bees? I'll be there. <laughs> you know it. Fired up and ready to go? 
Yeah, man. You know, this this rivalry stings still for me. <laughs> I'm sure Big Thirst, too, because uh, it's Thirst and them guys when they made that song, you know. Oh, here you go. That song, <laughs> that song had nothing to do. They had nothing, they had nothing to do with. There it is. Yeah. Oh, well, I, you know what? I guess that song. I guess that's. I guess uh, Steve McNair of uh, uh, Forearm Shiver to y'all faces. I guess the song had an effect of that too. Uh. Hey, it motivated all of them. See what I mean? Now, uh, let's just go back real quick before we look at the Titans, because you know, bees. You, you've certainly been a part of the Jaguar family for a long time. You keep track of them, and you were fired up just watching them end a nine-game losing streak. And just how important is it against a, against a, a rival in Houston, Texas? How important is it to be able to kind of knock down these walls that have been up for a while uh, for the Jags? Um, it's it's great to see the growth. I mean, from the last time I was on the show with you guys. You know, we were talking about the mistakes. Now we're talking about, you know, we got our quarterback, you know. So um, I think, you know, just having patience, knowing that this game is about learning when you're that young. And, I mean, you can see it in, in the whole energy of the team. You know, everybody believes. And it's, it's the momentum is carrying through kind of like us in 96. It's, it's amazing to see. Akela, that you you said that one word that I've been I've been saying for the last couple of weeks that that, that we've been on this streak is that this young team believes. All right, I, I I know the narrative early on in the season when they were losing all those games, we were losing those games because those were self inflicted wounds. But now this team is not making those same mistakes that they're making, and they totally believe that no matter who you line them up against on a Saturday or a Sunday, they're going to win. And That's I, a dangerous team. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell me how they, they tell tell them how you know that was our belief in '96 when we when once we got into the playoffs, how dangerous we were as a team because we simply believed. That's the whole thing in this game, you know, confidence and you doing your job 100 percent and trusting your guy next to you. And you know, I think a lot of it was the growing pains because you know they knew they were so close. So now. We, you know, we talked about now you get into studying more. Now you get more in-depth into your playbook. Now you really study more film. And that's what shows out on the field. You know, we do all that during the week to have that test on Sunday. And now it's like they're passing these tests with A's, flying A's. <laughs> Bees, is it is it me or does the defense look like they're flying around more? They're, there's more guys around the ball. There's more guys around the, the, the specific point of attack of a play. Does it look like that to you too? It does. I mean, I see guys finishing tackles. Um, hey, it's funny. I, I I know Andre Cisco, so I had to call him during the game on a drop interception. I was doing push-ups for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. And he should have had that. Yeah. The game. Oh, that was right in his hands. That's, yeah. you know, that's, what we, that's what we dream about. But uh, I think just the energy of flying to the ball and, you know, sometimes it's the offense playing well. And the defense saying, hey, we got to pick our game up, too. And then it becomes uh, both sides of the ball. And I mean, even special teams with that punt that we had. Oh, my goodness. Man, we're, we're, we're on fire right now. Aaron Beasley joining us on the Fair and Farrah phone line. So, Bees, I asked Doug Peterson yesterday. I said, you know, as uh, Trevor said post game that, you know, they won, they won ugly. 
because on offense it wasn't a perfect game. And I asked Doug, you know, do you take anything, like maybe mistakes that you can correct? And and he said, no, we're literally not even watching that game. We are on to Tennessee. So since we're on to Tennessee, Bees, um, what presents what or who presents the biggest challenge with obviously Derrick Henry being a, a potential headliner for that answer? Um, but what concerns you most about the Titans? Uh, I mean, obviously stopping the run. Um, we know what kind of game it's going to be. You know, they're going to try to – you know, I don't know what the situation with the quarterback. So, if we got Malik Hightower in there, it's going to be contain the quarterback uh, because he he gets one read and he he's off of his read quick and he's going to run. So, you know, some of that we're going to see some trick stuff. They're going to bring out all the stops. You got to be. It's like we always had a saying. I was talking to uh, one of my teammates. We were like, "Man, we would be out there. Alert, run. Alert, pass. Alert, draw. Alert, screen." We say alert everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let, let me give you Vrabel's quote because he has made a decision on the quarterback. It'll be Josh Dobbs, who did throw a pick last week, but also had some seat time. So his quote was, Josh will be our quarterback. I've talked to both quarterbacks and let them know that Josh will be the starter. Uh, Malik uh, has to continue to prepare like a starter. Uh, and so basically, I, I, I guess Vrabel saw enough bees that said, Let's go with maybe Josh Dobbs, who can run and throw over Malik Willis, who struggled a little bit throwing. Yeah, I'll take experience first and foremost. I mean, he's been in the league for a minute. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you can probably trust him to not make as many mistakes as Malik in a game like this. You know, this is going to be one of those games where whoever doesn't make the big mistake and whoever makes the big plays, that's who's going to win. So I can understand that. I mean, you go, you want a guy that you can trust. <laughs> I don't know if they can trust Malik right now. So I understand. Now, Beasley, uh, while we played, we recognized the bully on the block. The bully on the block was the Steelers. Our Ooh. team was assembled to beat Pittsburgh. And and to go in their house to beat Pittsburgh and beat them in our house, especially if we're going to be in our house. As far as the Jaguars go, the Tennessee Titans have been the bully over the last decade or so of the division. I mean, this notion about um, not getting enough rest and playing on Saturday, I, I just believe that we're the better team and we should just go in there and punch them in the mouth. What do you think? I agree. I mean, uh, I just feel like across the board, uh, our quarterback, I like our quarterback better. I like our receivers better. Travis Etienne, I, and I, I think a lot of people – aren't talking about our old line and their performance in the last five to six weeks. I mean, I've seen some holes the other day. Man, I could run through that, you know. But I feel like everything's just coming together. we got good momentum. Um, like, there's so much confidence. You can feel it when you, when you see them go out there on the field. They're having fun. And it's not like there's nobody tight out there. And that's what I love about watching this play. It's just, just on to the next play. And that's, that's what the kind of game this is going to be. You know, it be the one thing that I do notice when I'm watching the game, like we did when we were teammates, the interaction between the O line, between the offense and the defense. You know, mm-hmm. I hear, I see the defense say like, "Hey, O line, I'm gonna give them a stop," or, or the offense saying, "Hey, we're gonna score." I mean, because a lot of fans don't understand that 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 camaraderie and that momentum, that confidence in each other, plays a, a big part on how this team is playing together collectively. They're feeding off of each other, you know. We're getting those big runs. Uh, we're getting these touchdowns. The defense wants to compete, too. They want to be making those plays. And that's how it was with us because we weren't the 
best defense early in our stages, but you guys were scoring points. And we were like, man, we got to hold up our end of the bargain, you know, because if we can hold a team to a certain amount of points, we know you guys are putting up 30. So, you know, it'd be, you feed off of each other. And then and you know how it is. We start in the summer. We end in the winter. And it's kind of like uh, an attestment to what you saw last night of how all these guys are so respective of what happened because it's, we know what it takes to get there and how hard it is to get there. So there's so much respect from all sides, even though we're competing out there, we're fighting against each other, we're battling. After the game, it's all love, you know, because we know that's like the toughest job to get into. Hey, Bees, as a player, what's it like to be out there in the game when you know you're basically playing with house money? Uh, you never. I, well, I can't say that. I played corner. Ain't no house money out there. <laughs> no house money there. <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no house money on that island. Dude, you better find some coconuts. <laughs> but as as a team, that collective team, like it's. I mean, no one expected them right now. This is literally. Oh, what's it like as a player of the team to do that? It's it's carefree. You know, it's you when you're playing loose and not tight. That's when you're at your best out there. And when, like, the, the Denver game or even the Buffalo game, you know, Buffalo was, what, four straight years or something like that? Mm-hmm, yeah. I think they just came off of that. And, you know, we didn't have we – who was going to pick us? So we went in there and just played ball, you know, made a couple plays, got a couple turnovers, Clyde Simmons stepping down there, you know. <laughs> and, you know, Jimmy came out of nowhere that year because who knew who Jimmy Smith was that yeah. year? Yeah. You know, and he just all of a sudden just took off. And I mean, when you got a number one and a a one A and a one B, you can do a lot of things. <laughs> so B's log said earlier that he believes that this is the biggest regular season game in Jacksonville Jaguars history. Do you agree yeah. with that? Number one, number two. I mean, Leon has been saying it for a couple of weeks now. He does draw back on ninety six. He gets ninety six vibes. Are you superstitious, or you're you're leaning all the way in? You're you're saying it. Lightning has struck twice in Duval County. I'm just going by what I see and the way the games are being played, and just how, like, the way our offense is right now. We are tough to stop because we got so many weapons and so many threats out there that I feel like our offense is better than theirs, and I feel like our defense is comparable to theirs. So I feel like we have an advantage. And that's why I think we're going to win. All right, bro. So give us your, your plans, your details. You're going to make it into Duval. Oh, yeah, I'll be in Duval. <laughs> All right, well, let I'm us, in Duval. I'm already let, in Duval. <laughs> let, let us know, and we'll try and hook it up and uh, make sure that we see you. Okay. All right. I'll come on anytime, anytime. All right, brother. Be All good. Right, you guys have a good day. Nice talking to you. All right, Aaron. Yeah, All, right, all right, man. Baby. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen, I want to know one That's thing. Beautiful. I want to know one thing. The, the the song you guys did, okay? Yes. Yeah. Who thought it was a brilliant idea to come up with uh-oh? Because you knew if you lost, uh-oh was going to be all you heard. You read the book, right? Did you read the book? <laughs> I read the book. Go down the damn Alana story. I read the book. It was my, my, it was my ex-wife. All right? She was working for LaFace Records. She thought it would be clever. All right, to do a song because we were we were uh, on a nice little train. Ten, we were ten and one filling ourselves. I'm, I'm literally just trying to get you to read. You know, no, I love well, how well, he you said know, ten, ten and one. Uh, we were filling ourselves. I love how he and, said clever, clever. <laughs> and um, so uh, when we did uh, the song, we we initially agreed that the, the proceeds of the song was going to go to charity. Right. But we said at no means, at no time, should this song ever be released. 
before we make it to the Super Bowl. And then, uh oh. And two what? weeks later, yeah, uh, the song comes on, uh oh. I'm we... li- no, I'm literally driving to work. All right. I'm at the bridge. What's that? The real big red bridge. What's the name? Matthews. Of the I'm at the Matthews Bridge about to come into work. I'm at the stop sign and I turn on the radio and then I hear the hype man talking about, yeah, we got this new song for the Jaguars. We're going to zoom over. And I said, no, he, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. And then he turns it on and the song comes on. I Two minutes into the song, who do you think? J- no, Keenan McCarter called me. He said, Big Surge, did you hear the song on the radio? I said, yes. I hear the song on the radio. Man, what are we going to I said, bro. All we can do is go to work. So when I got to the locker room, I saw this note on my on my stool and said, "Please see Coach Qualls." <laughs> no. Uh, you know I blame. Apparently, he never listened what, to what the radio. Decide? So, you go see so him, it was me, Jimmy, and Keenan, and we went because we were the lead the lead artist of the song. Right. Right. So where where the feature really, really yeah. should have been right. nominated for a Grammy. They were pips. So, they were pips on yeah, that we song. Yeah, we were pips. Now. We were all collectively the lead. All right, so we go in there. Coach Coughlin is ranting and raving. This song is a distraction. This, this, and that, whatever. And I think Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Smith said the most, the thing that put everything in perspective. This was in the regular season. He said, Coach, what's the matter? You scared? Ooh, what are you yeah. worried about? We're 12 and 1. And then it settled down. He said, Well, I want this thing to be a distraction. He said, It won't be. We'll take care of business. And so, so in saying that, we go into the playoff game against the Miami Dolphins. Yep. Right. Take right. care of business. We take care of business. Yeah, you did. And over the loudspeaker in the stadium, where do you think they played? Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Just well, unfortunate we, when we lost to the Titans, they were singing the song to us yeah. after the game when we lost to the Titans. That's I, why I wanted you to read through the anecdotes. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can't find on, it. You so, can't uh, find it fourth down a day on the Lyman story. But I blame, honestly, Easy e and Dr. Dre and those boys yes, over there. they let it out. Yeah, on the beat that were just so it? fired Who leaked up. leaked it? Yeah, because a couple Who people had, on the text line wanted to leaked it. Who do you think leaked it? Those say, the, uh, the those the DJs who produced the song. Yeah. No, no, no. The, the guy that produced the song. No, no. The, the, but how did DJ get it? That's what I'm saying. I don't who know. They might have broke well, in. You had to guess. You had no, to the, guess who leaked it. Whoever produced, like, because you guys went into a audio booth, right? Yeah. Like you went to. a yeah. They probably fed yeah. it to the to the station. Somebody to leaked ready. it to the station, bro. That's what I'm saying. Also, a couple people on the text line, uh, brought to you by <laughs> Lifetime Enclosures. A wanted to know who leaked the song, but then B, they want to know, Leon, how would you feel if they played it at the bank this Saturday? After, well, afterwards. After. <laughs> what's what's the matter, Leon? You scared? Yeah, never yeah, before. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, never before. I don't want to be the. I don't want to be the reason. Never afterwards. Before. Yes, play afterwards. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the truth, and it's like you can't. Anything that you think is a guarantee, you can't call yeah. it a guarantee until it is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, a, a little funky fact here, JJ, if you don't mind. Time now for a funky fact. Get funky with Funky Buddha. I, I told JJ I might have been in my my, my cups over the holidays. In uh, the IPAs, the craft is just so good. Uh, but you need to check it out right there in the cooler section of your local grocer, uh, Funky Buddha. So who leads the National Football League in players placed on injured reserve? Right. Yeah, this is an absolute layup. Yeah. And I'm giving it to you so I can give it to the people out there. The Titans have 23 players right now mm-hmm. on injured reserve. They have placed a total of 34 on the list. Those are both tops in the National Football League. And so the 23 players right now, according to Spot Track, that are on the IR represent exactly 50% of the team's salary cap. One half of the salary cap is on IR right now. Now That's a saucy nut. You don't beat this team. Now, now, now Matt. You can rephrase that question to Leon again. <laughs> you know, you I, afraid, bro? Yeah, with this yeah. team? And so you, you can't be, but 
you it, it doesn't matter. You can you, until until the Demogorgon is fully extinguished. You cannot feel good. They are the that. worst team in the NFL right now. They are and not even really just, close. And the beautiful thing, JJ, take them out. Is that is that Jacksonville basically was the shoehorn into the collapse? Okay, they weren't the first, but they were the shoehorn that put them in there, and then the shoe dropped, and the collapse was on. And so they are looking at what a seven-game losing streak, yep. and they've dropped eight of nine. I'm pretty sure. And so it is honestly from a number one seed last year to the biggest collapse this year. You still might put the Broncos and whatever up there as maybe a collapse, but at the very least, the the Titans were rolling for a little bit before this happened. And what's crazy to think, Josie, is not only 50% of their payroll, 50% Mm -hmm. of their opening day roster they've lost at at times this season to the injury list, which is absurd. But what's crazy to think about is they were the number one seed in the playoffs last year, and that was with Derrick Henry Mm -hmm. missing eight games. Yeah, and he came back to try and make sure he was 100%. He was not really, I don't think, 100% in that postseason. What was that, week uh, 19? Uh, no, actually, week 20. And, right. and so him trying to come back, it still was not easy for him. But there is nothing like tossing dirt on a couple of rivals in the AFC South. No, what did Blaine Bishop tell about the entire left side of the line? First oh, yeah. off, he said yeah. left tackle shouldn't even be in the league right yes. now. Statistically, and the, left the worst not left tackle ever. Right, yeah. Right. I mean, go get them, man. Yeah, go get exactly. it. Exactly. That's what you need to do. Stake in the old uh, football heart uh, for your two rivals. Well, we're going to go get it in the 1 o'clock hour. How does that sound, boys? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to get after it in the college ranks. I'm going to leave you with this. Jerry in Orlando from the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. He texted us on the 21st of December asking us to put him on the record that he believed Tulane would beat USC. Knowing how you guys like to disparage the group of five and Tulane's schedule. (laughs) That was a hell of a game. The team that only had to beat Utah to get into the Final Four, USC, fell at the hands of the wave, the green wave. And he says, please don't tell me that USC didn't care. They blew Uh, a late lead. They threw for almost 500 yards. They didn't care. Yeah. Uh, No, they uh, they cared. That was a hell of a game. And I'll give uh, Jerry, honestly. uh, uh, They didn't care and they can't tackle. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I guess maybe they kind of can't go hand in hand, but they had that game in hand, and then they couldn't hang on to it. So they wanted to win that bad boy. Uh, but a round of applause for Tulane, uh, because I'll just admit that I came out of that. Uh, obviously, UCF had a chance to beat them after beating them earlier in the year and then couldn't beat them for the AAC. But I couldn't help but look at the – is that the best coach coming out of Louisiana in the last couple of years, that guy coaching Tulane? I couldn't help but ask that question. That was a pretty good product that they put on the field. They went from two wins to Cotton Bowl champions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that versus Sonny Dykes and what he's done at TCU, it's right up there with it. Let's bring up that the, yeah. the, everything that we experienced. More college football talk right after this on 1010XL 92.5 FM. We saved you a seat. It's Lunch with Leon on 1010XL. Brought to you by Wingstop. One o'clock hours here. It's XL Primetime. Thanks for hanging with us. 2023. Hope, hope that you'll hang with us the entire year, just like you did in 2022. We appreciate it. That's for sure. Joe C., MLB, Mio O'Brien, Matty Hayes, back from vacation. Big Surce. Uh, you can always count on us right here on XLP. Along with J.J. LaSelva, our text line is open for business, 641-1010. If you want to hit the pop-off line, you can, 207-7071. Uh, we're keeping an eye on what's happening up in Cincinnati uh, with Jamar Hamlin. We don't know what the latest is, but certainly we'll keep an eye on it. But we've been talking mainly about your Jags getting back to the postseason. That is A, number one on the minds of many, many fans here in Duval. And I have looked at some of these ticket prices. Mm. They are 
skyrocketing really? right now. Like? Yeah. Like? Oh, oh, I'll give you an example of a four that I just looked at here. One second. Well, while, while you're looking that up, I do want to... Four times as much as what it's being You can't estimated. bring that out without having that info, yeah. right? Right. Oh, I know. I know. Well, while, he's, while he's looking it up, yeah. I do want to provide, um, apparently, um, DeMar Hamlin's marketing rep and a good family friend from Pittsburgh just spoke with Robin Roberts on um, ABC on Good Morning America later on in the day. Um, this occurred about an hour ago. According to Jordan Rooney, that family rep, he says that, quote, I can't speak specifically on the medical condition of Hamlin. I will say he's fighting. He's a fighter. The family is in good spirits. We're honestly just taking it minute by minute, hour by hour. Yeah, and that's all you can do. Like I said, with everything that has transpired, uh, the outside world wants information on anything immediately. Uh, and you just can't count on that with such a private matter. And good to and, hear that the, the family is in good spirits, obviously, you know, as, been, as has been reported. Yeah. Ha, has a pulse. Um, vitals have returned to normal levels, mm-hmm. um, presumably in a medically induced yeah. coma right now. And so, obviously, it's just the waiting game at this point. And if you can get to that where it's, you know, basically getting through the trauma and make sure that every – major organ is functioning, which is what you're most worried about right now, uh, then you've gotten over a huge hurdle. Uh, standing room only, 160 bucks. Uh, in the upper deck, this is what I was looking at earlier, in the upper deck, um, a buck 75 a pop. Uh, and so 700 bucks in the... How many SROs will they sell for In the game? upper deck. I don't really know. Uh, we can check and see, but I'm looking at just some pricey, pricey, you know, buck 80, uh, buck 90 uh, for the... 400 level, which is – and, again, the, the, the dude that hit me earlier, club seats were in the neighborhood of two and a half, three times as much. Lower bowl were in the neighborhood of four times as much as face value. Early, it's like an early Valentine's gift. Yeah. You know. Well, it's – yeah, you could do that if, you're, if, you, if your significant other digs that, then, yeah, she might consider that or he might consider that. A great gift. Speaking <laughs> of crazy ticket sales at the bank, did you all see the highest attended bowl games this bowl season rankings? Mm-hmm. Right so there. So the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. 94,873. I, I got to admit, Fine. that stadium is looks small to fit 95,000 people in, it's doesn't it? It's huge. I know. It's massive. I've been it's, there. I mean, I've, I've been to that game. Massive. I've been to that game as a kid, but it still looks small. It's just kind of crazy. Where's the Vegas Bowl? So, yeah, we're going to continue. So the next two, needless to say, are the two college football playoff games, Mm -hmm. which the Peach Bowl coming in second at 79,330, then the Fiesta Bowl, 71,723, and then the little old Gator Bowl, 67,383 folks in attendance. That is the fourth highest and obviously the highest for any non-New Year's Six Bowl. And what a game it was. It was an epic one. It it was great. Right down to the wire. South Carolina was a dog as far as the betting betting public was concerned. They came charging back, thought that they might have had it. And then, you know, Notre Dame, that was pretty good effort from uh, their quarterback. Uh, Buckner, who struggled a couple of times in that game. What was there, two pick sixes? Yes. Yeah, yeah, two pick sixes. And we we actually saw including uh, a hundred yard pick six, yeah. which for what it's worth, my friends in the stands door to door. We were all looking at each other and we're like, all right, well if they score here, like you it's know, over. We'll, we'll give them one possession, then we'll head to the parking lot on cue. Mm-hmm. Hundred yard pick six. Yeah, it was just a door to door, just unreal. Frank Franchi on the call, by the way. Yeah, and Shane Matthews. Yeah, it was great. And, and I love uh, I love hearing it. And then if you talk about pick sixes, let's just get to the college football playoffs because first off. A combination of Michigan and TCU and Georgia and Ohio State combining 
for over 2,000 yards of offense. Over 2,000 yards of offense. And, and nearly 200 points. And nearly 200 points. And so if you just – it was it was great theater. I, I, I Matt, you were on vacation, but I, but I told Cersei and Mia that, that the underdogs have been paddled in college football playoff history as a rule. There have been very, very few one-score games and right. mostly two-score games, which means you're going to lose by double digits. And so this is one of the things that you, you know I've been harping on. You've got to have a competitive semifinal to convince people that a 12 – Team playoff is you know really going to be great you know a great success that was a great success New Year's Eve sure it wasn't I, I look I, I'm not even talking about the Michigan TCU game because we can get into get into that a little later the Georgia Ohio State game it's I mean you guys have to understand both those defenses have guys that are going to play in the NFL like and I'm not talking about like two or three guys I mean like seven or eight guys mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's so difficult now to play defense especially in college football. You know, you, you can't get your hands on guys. That's number one. Number two, it's you, you're you late in the season right now. Everybody's tired. Georgia is an, a, just a literally exhausted team right now. And I don't mean just physically. I mean mentally. Mm-hmm. The grind of returning as the national champion, everybody giving you their best shot, uh, you know, trying to, to realize, okay, let's get to that top of that mound again, even though we were there last time. Look in the history of the sport. So in, in 2002, Miami. Trying to come back. Yeah. A great team. A great Miami team. They ground, they grind, grind, so grind the entire, the entire season. Yeah, so they, okay? they did win. Yeah. You, you did, yeah. Did, yeah. We we did win. I get your point, but yes. Yeah. You didn't. Well, you didn't win. Okay. So Ohio, Ohio State, a <laughs> team that played Craig Flipping Krenzel at quarterback, beat you guys. Okay. Think about that. Okay. Let's go to 2005, USC. That team any good? That team had any talent on it? Lost to a Texas team. That, while talented, wasn't close to USC, all right? 2009. Here's Florida. How good was that Florida team in 2009? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Lost in the SEC championship game to Alabama. Yeah. You see teams breaking down Florida State in 2014. Mm-hmm. They had 29 straight wins. Yeah. Broke down against Oregon. And when it broke down, it broke down. Right. Multiple badly. fumbles by yeah. a guy that did not cough up the football. Just like it broke down Coast. badly for Florida in 2009. Yeah. Um, another one is Clemson. Yeah. Clemson, you know, beat Alabama. and Trevor's sophomore year, they get back there. Yeah. And they just could not handle LSU. Well, they couldn't tackle in that game. So I think it's it's physical. I think it's mental. Yeah. And I think it's a it's an eleventh month grind. It's not a three month grind or a four month grind. It's eleven months where they are pushed for eight months by their staff. Go 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 go. Let's get back, get back, get back, get back. And then by the time the eleventh month rolls around, you're playing mm-hmm. games that matter. You are exhausted. Well, listen, I was one of those players, you know, that was stressed upon that never had the relaxation of enjoying. A football game. Right. How difficult is that? I, I, I never had the relaxation of actually enjoying the competition of a football game because the stress of willing was so enormous. Yeah. I mean, I tell people this all the time. When I was at the University of Miami, we feared losing more than we enjoyed winning. <laughs> we feared losing more than we enjoyed winning. I can't tell you outside of maybe the championship game, of course. You win the championship game your senior year. You know, maybe, I think I enjoyed that game. All right, beating Florida State one versus two. But the grind, man. But the grind to get there, the grind to stay on top, the constant poking at you by by your teammates, your coaching staff, your assistants, your weightlifting coach, everybody's on you. And these guys have social media in their ear. Yeah, they don't make any good. There's no way they're going to respond. There's there's a reason, and we, we talked about this going into these college football playoffs, whether someone was ripe for an upset. 
but we're talking four decades of football, okay? 90s, O's, 10s, and 20s. Yeah. And the guys you just – there have been three repeat champions. That's it. Yeah. Okay? Mid-90s Nebraska. Then we talk about Southern Cal, which did repeat. Uh, they just didn't do it against again against uh, Texas and then Alabama. That is it. Well, and I thought Georgia was – we all know Georgia was on the ropes. The let other me tell you something. If you, if you thought that game for, against Ohio State was tough – Yeah. The game against TCU is going to be a grinder, and man. Yet they are a 13 and a half. Well, I don't care, man. That is going to be a fourth quarter grinder. I, to- I totally game. agree. I totally agree. And, and here's the thing. Here's, here's how I can assess all of this when you win the championship, all right? When, I, when it was over and I was standing, I was at the 50 yard level when it was over. I was in the Orange Bowl, confetti there, and everybody's celebrating. I, when I, I remember saying, is this, is, is this it? You're supposed I don't to know, feel no, that joy. No, because. Because the journey to get to that yeah. point yeah. was more exhilarating than the actual winning it. It's because, 11 months, right? It's yeah, not it's three ele- months. No, it's, it's 11 thing. months yeah. of just grind, 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 grind. Right. And then when you get there and you win it, you're like, okay. <laughs> I'm ready to keep working. Yeah, you know or, but, but that's you know, all you but, knew, I mean, honestly, right? You know why Stetson was crying after that win? Uh, Stetson because was trying to eat the confetti. Relief. No, it's relief, yeah. man. It's like, yeah, it oh, is. my God, okay. Kirby's we got one more shot shoot, at it. Kirby's yeah, not going to chew me out afterwards. I mean, well, there's about, a lot of emotion going on with that team right now. That yeah. team is really in a, in a rare spot right now. Because I'm going to tell you something. The coaching staff, the, the, coach, the assistant coach and, and the coaching staff, everybody around you is playing mental gymnastics with you each and every day to keep you from being complacent. Right. What are you calling? you out they're saying you this they're saying you that oh you might you can't have a lazy day bro that's what i'm trying to be plus they're unbeaten have a lazy day they're also protecting an unbeaten season right now too they're not only protecting the national championship they're protecting the unbeaten season they're also trying to do something georgia's never done they're trying to do something do something that no one has done in the playoff era Mm, yeah trying to do something that no one has done since alabama did in 11 and 12 this is like rare air where they are right now. And then that, you get to they hear, they you get, are exhausted right now. I'm telling you. You get you to that. hear Stetson Bennett say, hey, guess what, gang? We get to prepare for another game. I'm like, bro, I would just uh, – I, I might want to have a couple of cups before I start How many hours did they sleep, you think? Game. Like after that bowl game, they get, they, get in, they get back to the campus, all right? They bust them back to the campus from mm-hmm. Atlanta back to Athens. Mm-hmm. How many hours do you think those players slept? What time did the game end? Uh, they, midnight. We knew it, man. Midnight. 12.01. I mean, okay. they, probably well, got, they well, probably got an afternoon like four, three or four in the morning. Oh, yeah, 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 easily. Because what probably Kirby Smart did, they, they probably didn't have meetings until 2.30, 3 o'clock. So that gives them. That early, huh? Yeah, that late. He, I, didn't, he didn't give them Sunday off? <laughs> I, I don't know if he I did. guarantee you those coaches were in there. Did. I'll tell you this. I was watching. They did a, a special college game day yesterday ahead of the Rose Bowl in the morning. And they had Kirby on. And half-jokingly, they asked him, they go, so which game are you most excited to watch today? Just because they knew the answer would be, oh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not looking at anybody right. else. but my." Yeah. And so, of course, Kirby played along with it. And he said he woke up and he was like, oh, that's right. Other teams have bowl games today. I just And he is as drilled down oh. and focused oh. as, they, as they come, you know, straight from the, you know, the book of Nick. He's a lunatic. And I, and I say that with all of them. Oh, yeah. He is a and, lunatic. And, and Nick was. And, and you know, to, to Leon's point, Coach K – Mike Krzyzewski probably did not enjoy a whole lot of national championships. No, also a lunatic. He immediately bro. started yeah. thinking about the next one. There and is, there's, there's no joy in who Belichick certainly doesn't look like he no, enjoys any. There, no. there is no lazy day yeah. when you're on a team like when the teams you're talking about. And that's the Belichick thing, no off days. Yeah, that part yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. right. Plus, they, they've been hearing the entire 11 months, well, they're the best team. Nobody's going to beat them. Yeah. I mean, they can, how do you live up to that? The only, I mean – 
The only thing that's left for them is winning it again. There's no other way I, the season mm-hmm. can end. No I am a way. horny frog fan, though. I like watching those horny so frogs. So is Taylor Dahl, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I, it's been it's been honestly what they were able to do has been a heck of a lot of a, of a fun watch because people didn't quite expect that against Michigan the other night. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Great segue, Josie. <laughs> you want to know why? Yeah. Jim Harbaugh has reportedly been in talks with David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, this weekend about their open head coaching position. I tweeted during the game, just having fun, after TCU got off to such a quick start that second half uh, uh, offers to the NFL would be entertained uh, by Jim Harbaugh because that's basically how quickly it was going to shift in that direction, at least the chatter, and to that storyline right there, the – the owners that want to get in his ear. I don't remember who said this. It was Rap Sheet or Schefter or somebody. But they basically said this will be, in their minds, the most aggressive group of owners going after coaches that they want to hire this year. I don't know if it's possible to be more aggressive than they have been in the past, but that's what they're saying. He's not the only gonna, one. That, I mean, I bet Brian Kelly's going to get a couple of people coming after him too. He's yeah, not the so only they, one. And, and when they said, they said multiple owners and aggressive, meaning – they will go after any prize yeah. that they think yeah. they can land. I mean, believe me, there might be a couple going after Kirby too, mm-hmm. because it's at at this point in that league, it's you know it's got to happen. Yeah, you know, there's there's no like okay, let's let's wait two or three years or let's give this guy a mount and let's have some patience with him. They had patience with Matt Rule and look what happened. Yeah, so it's it's got to be now, man. Yeah. Isn't it so nice to not have to worry about? Mm-hmm. Well, Co- coaching carousel. What has happened here? First is, time in four yeah. years, three years, baby. Well, about this time, you were trying to figure out whether they were. About this time last year, they had interviewed Doug Peterson or was close to interviewing Doug Peterson. No, they had. It was December yeah. 28th, I think. Okay, they I was, all right, I was yeah. trying to remember mm-hmm. the actual timeline because yep. there was one more game to be played. Yep. But there was the interim coach was here, so they did have the opportunity. But then they went through five, six, seven, eight other Weeks. Inter- uh, Weeks. interviews. Okay? It was just crazy before they circled back and got the right guy. It was it was something else. It's XL primetime. This is Trent Baalke. the Titans. We saved you a seat. It's Lunch with Leon on 1010XL. Brought to you by Wingstop. We love our friends, our nooners on the pop-off line. 207-7071. It may be a Tuesday, but you can still have your Modelo moment. I just like the fact that Balky is just, he's got that line on speed dial, which is just beautiful. It is. This uh, is Trent Balky. The Titans. (laughs) It's beautiful, man. They love him now. Yeah. Well, all right, we, we're fans. It, it is amazing. I'm sorry, He's no Trent. longer a clown. I'm sorry. Him. We're yeah. sorry. Yeah. And look, all you really wanted is my, my my line all along is clown faces will disappear if this team reappears. True. And that's all it has to be is a football team that is competitive, uh, competes at a high level, and wins. Wins more than their fair share. And here's a chance to get to the right side of that win-loss record. Do want to quickly update you guys uh, the latest on the DeMar Hamlin situation ongoing in Cincinnati right now. ESPN actually just showed Brandon Scherf, um, who spoke to the media mm-hmm. here in Jacksonville at 11.15. Many of the other teams around the league either were not having media availability because Tuesday is an off day. Right. The ones that were, including the Kansas City Chiefs, have canceled their availability. After Brandon Scherf spoke, the Jaguars forewent any other players speaking, and so uh, – 
right now. Sports Center is uh, giving the Jaguars some love because Brandon Scherf right now is the only player outside of, uh, you know, what, what you may have heard from former players to mm-hmm. have spoken. Um, mm-hmm. And also uh, happy to report, Matt, that uh, looks like they are giving Coley Harvey finally a little bit of rest as the local Bills reporter is now on Sports Center um, outside of the University of Cincinnati Hospital, which, of course, we will keep you Go sleep, Coley. posted. Yeah, Coley Harvey's been done an incredible job. The entire staff at ESPN last night, a masterful job. I'm reporting this absolute tragedy, and of course, we'll keep you posted on what we hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I That's... felt bad for Bug last night. Mm-hmm. He's a player, former player, and just he didn't want to talk. ESPN mm-hmm. kind of hung him out. Yeah, to hung dry. him out to dry, man. He, I, I, you know, at one point he said, "That's all I got to say." Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm like, like well, no, I'm it's like, not. Right. You got like, no, it's not, bro. You're <laughs> on there. That's why you. But right. I felt bad for him. Like he, he, he's a former player who was clearly affected by it. Like Leon was affected by it, and just like didn't want to say anything. It was tough. Yeah. And I, I just know that that. Yeah, it doesn't matter what scenario you're talking about. Hard to watch that. Yeah, yeah. Hard to watch. It is very hard, but they have to provide programming, and we're, we're talking about a very serious situation, and you've got to try and at least bring people through this. You know, it, I would hate to look at Leon, and Leon, you've got to come up with more material, but that's what you would have to do. That's just – just and they went to the booth, and then they go to the studio. Went to the booth, and they go to the studio, and then they go down and talk to Lisa Salters. That's all they could do. It was just, and you knew that they were not going to come out with any news. It was just impossible at that point. That – just happened brought to you by florida home ac the official air conditioning partner of the jacksonville jaguars all right official release from the nfl after speaking with both teams and the nflpa leadership nfl commissioner roger goodell informed the clubs today that the bills Bengals game will not be resumed this week the nfl has made no decision regarding the possible resumption of the game at a later date the league has not made any changes to the week 18 regular season schedule we will continue to provide additional information as it becomes Available, so that game's probably just going to be wiped off the books. Yeah, yeah why don't they just the, make a decision? Yeah, I, I know. Uh, kicking, it, kicking the can down the road—that's the problem. Like what later date would it be? But I think it has to be this week or not. Yeah, it does, and I think whether they don't want to make the decision until there's some positive news. I think that comes out honestly. I think that's probably well, they're, in, they're also in a time window right now. You they're can't, in a very, very they're, tight they're not, time window. I see people on, on social media, we'll just push back the season. They're not pushing back the season. No. That's not happening. No. So they're literally in like almost an 18 to 20-hour time frame right here. And they may, just depending on how it all shakes out uh, with the other teams that still have to play, they could just do a coin flip if it were to come down to a tie break. Uh, or give them, that. award them. It wouldn't be. You know what they could do. Yeah. The old Kansas tiebreaker. Yeah, I know. Nice I remember the Kansas tiebreaker. Just get them at like a you know, yeah. regular old field. Three, three of them. Let them show up. Right and then they there, run man. 20-yard the... line. Yeah. Or tug of war. It's like, could you do the Kansas tiebreaker with the Oklahoma drill? Yeah, I, I don't know whether you could do that or not. But that's what that's what the Remember movie... the old Kansas tiebreakers? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. They were awesome. But you're just trying to figure this out. I'm telling you, the Kansas so City Chiefs. Those, Kansas City Chiefs are a very interested party right now. And that was going to be a huge ball game last night in terms of determining who was going to get in the drivers. Well, what about penalty kicks? Ooh, yeah. I like oh. the sound of You're that. Bringing one soccer into football. Yeah. Is that what for, for what it's worth, yeah. out of respect for both of those teams, the Kansas City Chiefs, who are playing on Saturday against the Raiders, they canceled their media availability today. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, out of respect for Tamar Hamlin, his family, and the Bills, mm-hmm. but also I'm sure because you know it, it it does put the Kansas City Chiefs in such a unique situation where yeah. they may end up with the one seed just by default if this game is completely wiped off the books and it's just never happened. Yeah, I I well, so- if they're not playing tomorrow. <laughs> You're not playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just not happening. You're not going to play Thursday and then play no. again in three days. And it's I don't happening. buy this Week 19 thing either. I saw that was pitched by some Buffalo media, like uh, who listen, respect a bunch of those guys up there that have you know credible sp- sources. 
But I don't see any world in which, yeah, the not NFL says we're going to no push way. the Super Bowl up so it conflicts with the Daytona 500. Yeah. We're going to push all the playoffs up just so we can play one game in Week 19. Right. Well, they wouldn't they, have to move wipe the out Super their Bowl week. because there's a bye week. Yeah, yeah. They would but wipe all out. the other playoff games would have to move. Right, but they're they not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. They would not want to do There's too much money involved. Well, it's also a competitive disadvantage for the Bengals and the Bills to have to play two games within three or four days. And it's like, like Coach will be rolling in here any moment, and Coach, he kind of felt like Jacksonville got job with a Saturday night game because Tennessee last played Thursday. They have the extra days of rest, and now Jacksonville's got to turn around and play in six days. I totally get it. But, you know, the NFL is a machine. Right. They are- and, you, and you can't keep moving back. Like, I know people are thinking, well, if they play on Thursday, then they can play on Tuesday of the next week. And if they play on Tuesday no. the next week, you can move a playoff game to Tuesday the fuck. No, you can't do that. Does the Players well, Association have any power? Like, the no. NFL just decides whatever they want. Of course and, they do. And it's We're their whooping pretty dog. pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> huh? We are. We're the whooping dog. Well, the the classic no line for Bobby Bowden was, you know, <clears throat> the, the television network will tell you we're going to play it too, and he'll say AM or PM, and right. that's basically the way it was then, not yeah. in the NFL now. Well, so, so, okay, KC's the one seed, Buffalo's the two, Bengals the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And we're the four seed. Mm-hmm. Well, that don't even sound strange. That sounds so <laughs> it strange. Sounds right? so, good. It's so, it's so strange right now. Yeah. So, 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 nobody wants so to if it comes down, if it comes down to the Bills and the Bengals having to play in the playoffs, right. you know, stretch. Yeah, if you know, because because if the Jags were know. to win, if the Jags were to win, they would go to Kansas City, and yes, it would be yeah. a rematch. Potentially. It would be a rematch, but but the I Bengals know. not being able to play that game, if they had won the game, they'd be the two, and yeah. Buffalo be the three. Yeah, so I mean, home, yeah. not playing that game means that they have to actually go on the yep. road to right. play Buffalo. Yep, right. And they would definitely they. I don't know how strong they will be because of what has happened, but that's very important to them. And uh, they were winning the game. Yeah, it was very mm-hmm. early, but they were winning. Yeah. And it it's home. a lot more difficult to play in Buffalo. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. Yeah, absolutely. Then it would be for Buffalo to play in Cincinnati. I mean, I mean, the, the difference in those two are just yeah. Well, wow. at least both Northeast cities, big support. That 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 stadium was was packed last night. And in theory, if yeah. the Bengals had lost last night, then they lose to the Ravens this upcoming Sunday. That would have flipped the AFC. And the Ravens all of a sudden North win the AFC North, and it could potentially. Be the okay. Bengals coming right. to Jacksonville. And, and, and I, I, I don't see, want to see them. I want to see Baltimore. That's who I want to see. Uh, of the three, because you could throw the Chargers into this conversation as well. We ain't scared of no but, Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. I, What'd you say? I said we ain't scared of no damn Bengals. Oh. I don't know why this team would be would yeah. be concerned about anybody right now, exactly. honestly. The way we're playing. Uh, have you, I've uh, drank all the Kool-Aid. Yeah, yes. I know. I'm you not, totally it's, not, have. it's not even that I'm drinking Kool-Aid. I mean, the way – it's like I was talking with, with bees. It's like they're with, they got house money now, man. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? I agree. But I agree. we'll go anywhere and play. I don't, who cares? I don't care what scenario you're talking about. It goes through your mind who you'd rather see. And there are high-powered machines, and there are less. Uh, there, there, there are seven-cylinder machines not, out not there. Like elite, like elite athletes. I don't think they care, man. I don't. Oh. I think they're just like, so what? Let's go play. I, if I hypnotized Cersei, he'd probably say, "Give me Baltimore over." Well, did you ever, when you were playing, did you ever think I'd rather play? Uh, you know, these guys in the Titans. No, nah. I always felt that if we were at our best, we could play with anybody. Okay, but I'm also looking the other side, and the other side's probably saying I'd rather see Jacksonville than maybe because of this. Maybe. Honestly, this defense is is dealt with some injuries. Okay, they yeah. have, yeah. And, and this defense has now seen Davis Mills and Zach Wilson the last couple of weeks. That that's that's who they've seen, and they've been able to at least control things. But you go up against these high powered offenses, uh, and you start matching what's offensively, it's going to be a hell of a challenge. I would just like to see a team that they have defended well already, which well. is Baltimore. <clears throat> Uh, versus a team that well, they didn't defend well. Remember how many tight ends caught touchdowns uh, no, I, in, I, in Chiefs? I get uniform? it, but I can tell you this. If there are coaching staffs right now that are saying, 
I don't want any part of that Jacksonville well, team. Well, yeah, trying to match yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, well, he, him, yeah. here you are, Joe. The thing is, Joe, how many how many teams are we going to play with leaking oil? Mm-hmm. At some particular point, you have to you got to meet him. But you got to play a sports car, right? Uh, you right. can't these leaking oil teams that we've been playing the last yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah, when you get the playoffs, bro, you see. I'm, I want to be in the AFC. Yeah, the, yeah. the way I'm looking at it is, I want to pick one off here, and then and then we'll, we'll go to the next one. You, that that's how I'm looking at it. Just you're picking this one off. Yeah. I don't know why you're worried about this. Uh, yeah, we're going to kill the Titans. No, no, I'm not. I'm not even talking about the Titans. I'm talking about the first team they get at home. Yeah. Oh, you're talking. Well, about that's what I'm talking about. Okay. 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 We're already yeah. thinking okay. playoffs. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm we're on to the first round of the playoffs. Okay. Playoffs. I, well, that's you already beat both of them in the season, the regular yeah. season. You already yeah. beat Chargers and, and the Ravens. And so it's a playoff game, you might say, this weekend, of course, because you're trying to beat your rival. You're trying to win the division and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I'm just looking at the best-case scenario of who they would I can give you best-case scenario. Next week this time, we're going to be talking about, can you beat a team twice in one season? That's going to mm-hmm. be the you – know, yeah, that'll, that'll be, be the narrative. And we'll be yeah. talking about those two teams, potentially, if, if they are who come to Jacksonville, mm-hmm. saying, well – you beat the Chargers, but that was when Justin Herbert had the broken rib cartilage. That was when Mike Williams and Keenan Allen weren't at 100%. Yeah. That was when, you know, the, the god-awful Bosa Greg, got Greg hurt. Bosa got hurt Bosa yeah, got very hurt. early in that game. Bosa got hurt. Sense. The god-awful uh, Ravens offensive play calling, mm-hmm. and they didn't have any wide receivers, and yeah. Josh Oliver was one of their leading pass catchers, and the excuses, I think, were going to come out of both of those markets. But to be fair, I mean, those – that was early in the season with the Chargers. Yeah. And, you know, this team was still healing at that point. Correct. So they haven't. They hadn't peaked they yet. Hadn't peaked, hey, <laughs> Zay said, Jones right? said, Zay Jones said this team needed to peak at the right time. Matt Hayes, are they peaking at the right time? I don't know, but they, they were certainly still healing. Okay. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, There's, he said it after some that Some band-aids game. ripped off here over after the last that, handful of weeks. After October, that Chargers October game. was a lot of healing. Hey, yeah. after we, we the Chargers game, off. he mentioned they're still healing. Okay. Yeah. Off crutches. Right. Yeah. So the healing has happened. They have, they're confident now. They have a quarterback who's on fire. So it's a different team here as well. Yeah. I used to refer to the getting to the number one pick as the master plan. This is the Peterson plan, and it has actually worked. It really has. All right, Big Sirs, uh, what are your plans this afternoon? I know you got something good. Uh, I wish I did, though. No? No? <laughs> Nothing. Healing. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I want you to heal. Get I want you to heal, you heal Healing up from that New Year's uh, three-day weekend. Yeah. Thank yes, you, sir. sirs. Uh, by the way, the uh, fireworks and whatnot, uh, New Year's Eve night, they were pretty strong. You, you, Did you catch the fireworks down? I caught, I caught some. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it very yeah. much. Yeah, pretty strong. Yeah, real strong. Uh, give shout out to all the uh, the mm-hmm. Santorian sons out there, the people who were firing them off because they entertained us. All right, JJ, entertain Gator fans with a chance to win some tickets. Yeah, so I have Gator basketball tickets. This is for Saturday the 7th. Uh, afternoon tip, 1 p.m. This is against the Georgia Bulldogs. So Mike White, right? Mike White coming back. Oh, my goodness. you got to be there for that. I will give you a pair of tickets to call number four right now, 641-1010. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. Hey, sir, just joining us, the Bills and Bengals game from last night that was postponed will not be made up at any point this week. Undecided yet if that game will be resumed at all. We will keep you posted on the very latest coming out of that tragic incident that occurred in Cincinnati. But we do pivot back to the college front before we say hello to Coach Campo coming up in the 2 o'clock hour of XL Primetime. Appreciate this one from uh, 3639 Josie and Matt uh-huh. Hayes and JJ. Is it just me or would it be kind of a jerk move 
for Harbaugh to leave for the NFL when Michigan has been so patient with him getting to this point and they're finally good. I, I thought about that last year when he was hearing overtures from the National Football League. And you're like, wait a minute. He just barely got them over the Ohio State Buckeye hurdle and just barely got him into the CFP and would he bolt in. And remember, this, Matt, I'm sure you can probably remember the timeline better, but it went on for a little while with the idea that he was perhaps going to get a contract extension, take care of his assistant coaches. Remember all that dialogue last year that he was trying to make sure that they were going to be taken care of and he still might have gone. Remember, Minnesota was slow to hire Kevin O'Connell and all that was going on. I would be less surprised this year if he bolted. Yeah, he's, I wouldn't actually. Um, last year, I think he would have gone. I think he screwed up the interview. He was the last guy they were interviewing. You and I talked about this a bunch he, last he year. He was the last guy they were interviewing. He went in there with the idea of, okay, well, they need me instead mm-hmm. of here's what I'm going to do. And I, and I think it'll be different this time around. I think this time around, the way he interviews will be completely different. He's going to go in there with a detailed plan. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what I did with the 49ers. This is the way we're going to build the roster, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was, look, I got a great job in Michigan. Yeah, if you guys hire me, that'll be great. And I, I don't think it's going to happen this way. I, I think he wants to get back to the NFL because I think he, he like all coaches, has an ego, mm-hmm. and he wants to prove that he can win at the elite of the elite. And, look, honestly, the last time he was there, his first three seasons were NFC Championship game loss, Super Bowl loss, NFC Championship game he loss. Was, and then year four was 8-8, eight and eight and he and Trent Baalke butted heads, and that was it. He was wickedly successful. Yes. And then he just basically said, you know, the whole idea of Baalke maybe undermining, that was where that stuff really kind of caught fire in, in the very beginning was inside the building what might may or may not have been going on. And, by the way, that franchise and that's what was, Harbaugh said, I'm out. Right. That franchise was not good a decade or more prior. Oh, yeah. So yeah. he actually literally rebuilt the thing in one year mm-hmm. and got him to the NFC Championship and, and game. I think the thing You're you two always, to the Super Bowl. The thing you always fight, college versus pro, is I got to kiss a few boosters behinds. Right. I've got to kiss a few recruits behinds. And now you got to do that even more often. Now, to get more money from the boosters to take care of the players, not necessarily going into the pro- – yeah, you got to get them to donate to your program, take care of your players, and you still got to kiss the ring of the player, too. It's, it's, it's becoming a little more time-consuming. Involvement, yes. So, in case you missed it, we brought Harbaugh up earlier in the 1 o'clock hour because of the report that he had spoken with David Tepper mm-hmm. of the Carolina Panthers. There are also reports that surfaced over the weekend that Harbaugh – has also been contacted by the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. and the Indianapolis Colts. And as I reminded a buddy of mine last night, let's be real, Jim Harbaugh is in the Colts' ring of honor. Yeah. His name is on the stadium. Oh, yeah. We know Jim Irsay is not afraid to hire his former players. Yeah, and, and he did it with Jeff Saturday, and number four had a bit of a rejuvenation, you, you might even say, when you go to the end of his career uh, as a quarterback. And he had, what, between Baltimore and Indianapolis, had, you know, had a, a fairly long run. But that would certainly make sense, and Ursay would want to make a big splash. So that would uh, be a real possibility. And then you get into a bidding war, trying to pull a guy out of college back into the uh, NFL ranks. But he is a proven guy that's coming out of the college back into the NFL ranks. Well, he's a, more than anything, he's a guy who's won, and we can ask Dave about this, he's a guy who's won playoff games in the NFL. Yeah. That's rare. Yeah. Coaches who win playoff games in the NFL is, is rare. Way, he did it with a second-round pick in Colin Kaepernick, and they made a decision to part ways with Alex Smith. Okay, think about that. Yeah. The number one overall. That was a major, major shift uh, in, in philosophy and, and all that. 
and, and it, it worked. I would actually be shocked if he didn't go back to the NFL this year. Mm-hmm. I'd be shocked if he was a Michigan yeah, coach. Like I, 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 I feel the I same think, way. I think he's I, done all he can do at Michigan. He's yeah. literally – he's got them now where they're self-sustained. Mm-hmm. They, they now see what they can be after two straight wins at Ohio, of Ohio State, two straight playoff appearances. They see what they can be now. And now you just need someone else to come in there and pile the ship a little bit. He's done – He's done his work for his alma mater. I guess it's the best way to look at it. Matt, uh, remind the folks that are listening at home, our Nooners, your Saturday Down South column from today with regards to what is Michigan's ceiling? Because that, I think, is part of the equation, at least in my opinion as well, as to why Jim Harbaugh would jump back to the NFL. Because is is Michigan, and I understand we were mm-hmm. just a couple whistles away from an Ohio State-Michigan National Championship game 72 hours ago. But the fact of the matter for me is, is Michigan ever going to get over the SEC hump? I think it's both those teams. They're so invested in each other right now, and they have been for, like, the last 10 years. It's, it's like, hypersensitive, the whole Michigan-Ohio State thing. And that's not the issue. The problem is the boogeyman is the SEC. Yeah. That's who they and should both be looking at. will continue to be. That's who the rest of the Big Ten should be looking at. It's, that's who you're chasing. So if you want to win, if you're the Big Ten, you're Ohio State, and you're Michigan, and you want to win, you want to go down south, and you want to get the players that win championships mm-hmm. – the speed and the athletes, how Georgia wins, how Alabama wins, you know, how LSU wins. You want to go get those guys and compete with the SEC for those recruits? Mm-hmm. You got to get collective money. Okay. You got to start paying money. But let's not forget, Ohio State has been able to do that. Uh, somewhat. Yeah. Somewhat. Michigan is not as much. Somewhat. Michigan is not as much. Now, yeah. so, and it's not just the high schools, it's also the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. You got to start paying money for transfer portal guys. Right, right, and 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 you're trying to get attract a player that they think can come in and immediately benefit from being you know under under your reign. Here's the other part of it, TCU. Yep. Let's make this the ten ten take, JJ, because something happened over the course of these college semifinal games that cha- change is changing things. Now, Josie's ten ten take, slow smoked and served up by Sonny's Barbecue, local pitmasters since '68. Sonny's wishing you all a happy New Year, twenty twenty three. Bring it uh, because they will have it slow smoked ready for you, uh, piled high. You can count on it, Sonny's Barbecue, all over the first coast. When you think of Ohio State and Michigan showing up at the party, they hand their ticket, they come in get to play and they've got a chance to play on and yet they can't and we have to go back to 2014 the last time Ohio State was able to win that college semifinal game and then go and play and win a natty well something else was happening the Big 12 would constantly send Oklahoma to the party and they would get close they would play these great games but they weren't able to get it done then they would get blown out and they were just kind of patted on the head and sent back to the Big 12. Sonny Dykes and TCU did something the other night that hasn't been done. They are able to punch their ticket to the national championships. So don't think for a moment when we had the SEC Big Ten conversation that those were two, the two behemoths, that Sonny Dykes and TCU didn't send a major message by getting to the college football playoff. And that will also draw the attention of those up in Big Ten land as to what, what they're not doing to get it done. That is the 10 10 Sonny Dykes actually meeting with media members right mm-hmm. now. You guys ready for a saucy nug? Mm-hmm. Prior to the Fiesta Bowl, four players on the TCU roster had played in a bowl game with the Horn Frogs. Saucy nugs. And think of where they were. We talk about these journeys, what Doug Peterson has been able to do here, and in the college football landscape, what they did in a first-year head coach, the number that you just mentioned of 
actually seeing a bowl game, forget about a college football playoff, but a bowl game and playing in a Big 12 championship game, all that, they didn't have any of that last year. They said goodbye to the long you – know, the guy had been the most, one of the most tenured coaches. Gary Patterson. Yeah, and Gary Patterson. And they just, on a dime, flip it and go to the top, at least for right it's, now. They're playing by the, way, the top prize. And I, I, I understand your take. TCU is an anomaly right now. They just are. Maybe. T- TCU, the football program, they still share the weight room with all the other sports. Yeah, they don't have yeah. – They don't have a football-only facility, Okay. They don't have the kind of backing that the Big Ten and the SEC does. What they've done is so rare this year, so mm-hmm. rare. Like, if they beat Georgia, it will be maybe the greatest story in, in the modern era yeah. of college But, football. Matt, even more, it should shake them to their core that they did it that way. Yeah, of course. Of course. But, but the, the whole thing now, especially the big word among coaches, is sustainability. Can that be sustained? That cannot be yeah. sustained. Mm-hmm. And, and they're trying to get boosters to – and apparently there's a story. One of my buddies is working on a story right now about how TCU is basically going after boosters to get the money to put into the infrastructure of the place to get a football facility, to, to, to bring them up to par yeah. with the Big Ten and the SEC because that's the only way you're going to win. Yeah. That's the only – like if kids go to your school, the recruits, and they see TCU sharing a weight room with the, oh, yeah. you know, the cross-country team, and they're the going to go. And volleyball. Yeah, they're, they're not – like why would I go here when I can go to Oregon when they have a football-only well, facility? It goes back – facilities are still king. I don't care what anybody says. They still matter. Who had David versus Goliath in the national championship? And Stetson Bennett is Goliath. Yeah, yeah, that's something else. It really is. Yeah. Who had that yeah. a year yeah. and a half ago? Yeah. Uh, one more real quick before we hit the break and welcome on our head coach, Dave Campo, because I want to give Sonny Dykes all of his flowers and the entire Horn Frog community. Apparently he was asked who reached out to him after Saturday night's, Saturday night's game that surprised him. He said Marshawn Lynch, who he got to know during his time at Cal. Sonny Dykes invited Marshawn Lynch to the national championship but Marshawn declined and said, I'm going to Italy instead. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he just went, tried to go beast mode on him, try and get him there. I mean, honestly, I go to Italy too. Yeah, 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 that's not a bad uh, – if you're, if you're making that decision, yeah, Marshawn probably, he had a, an Good edible move. and he made that decision. He said, I know where I'm going. All right, now we know where we're going into the 2 o'clock hour to say hello to our head coach who has some pluses and minuses about playing Saturday night against the hated Tennessee Titans. We got that coming up. Beaver, Chevy, Beaver, Toyota. We say thanks to both of them uh, as we welcome in the new year. You can welcome it in as well with a brand new ride. It's XL Primetime. Now, let's wow you with XL Primetime's head coach, Dave Campo. Brought to you by Beaver Chevrolet with wow pricing every day at beaverchevrolet.com. This team is not running on empty. This team is moving right now with a full tank of gas as Coach Campo joins us now. Happy New Year, Coach, first off. Thank you. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's for right? Leon. That's, That's for Leon. Oh, yeah. That's for Leon. Post-game? Post-game, you're cool with this music playing? Yeah. You, you don't want it played until the Jaguars make the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Yeah. Not until, not a moment Listen sooner. to Big Surf, man. You can't ride a lineman. I eat them for lunch. Hit them up with the one, two, punch. Surf. Take them down. The original the rapper. The best. The best. Uh, all right, Coach. Can we access uh, that song on Spotify? Do we know? Is yeah. it readily available? It's on YouTube, I think. Yeah, Excellent. we'll try and get cool. it back out there. We'll try and get it to, to, to get to the top, the top 40. All right, uh, go in reverse. Throw it in reverse right now. You're not running on empty, but go back to, to Sunday. Uh, and just how it, things unfolded in your mind, not necessarily a great game offensively from, from all of them, but ETN had a huge run. Trevor threw for a high completion percentage. What did you think of the of, of 
basically dispatching the, the Texans. Well, the first thing I think you have to look at in that ball game is is uh, the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to be honest with you, we don't talk enough about the offensive line and what they've done. They're not a great group, but they're the reason that we're able to run the ball pretty effectively and protect the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And and in this league, those two things, in my mind, are critical to winning football games. So, you know, to me, I thought that uh, other than the other than the sack when when uh, uh, Little got mm-hmm. uh, beat inside on the spin move, you know, it was just a normal game. And and our guys have enough confidence right now that they went down. It doesn't matter whether it's nine games, ten games that they've lost. We're going to win the football game, and that's the confidence that they're going into this next one. So that's the thing that stuck out to me. They won the line of scrimmage in the ball game, mm-hmm. and again this weekend they're going to have to win the line of scrimmage. Chicken or the egg, Coach Campo? Was the Jaguars' defense is the Jaguars' defense, I should say, ascending, or was their performance in holding both the Jets and the Texans to a mere field goal each in back-to-back outings? Just a by nature of playing those two teams. Well, I think number one, I th- I think they're they're uh, have more confidence in what they're doing because of the simplification, and it's allow them to play faster. So you know turnovers occur when you're around the football, and that's the key. You know it doesn't always occur, but that's when they occur, and they seem to be running more to the ball. They're getting mm-hmm. more guys to the football, and I think that comes from just the simplification and getting better and, and just allowing the guys to use their athletic ability because I, this team does have speed now, you know, on defense. They've got some guys that can run. So I think that's coupled with the fact that they haven't necessarily played the best teams here in the last two weeks. But you know me, Detroit Lions are not the best team either, and we got blown out. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it all comes down to – you know, how you play that day, and I think the defense is improving. That's a long answer to a short question, but that's how I look at it. But, but there are teams, like other coaches look at, coaches in the playoffs, you know, and right, that's a team you don't, want, you don't want any part of. Like, they're a hot team. Oh, yeah. I, I, and if you ask me that question, if we win, when we win this weekend, nobody's going to want to play us. Because it's you know it's like a, a, a Division One team playing an FCS team in college football. Right, you can't win in that situation. You're going to get if you win, you were supposed to win. If you lose, you're going to get blasted. So yeah, I don't think anybody wants to see Trevor Lawrence if he's on, if he's excited, and with the weapons we have offensively. Yeah, I think defensively, you know, uh, they have to play whatever game that we're in including this week, because to me, this is a playoff game. Uh, They'll they tell have, you that every game has been a playoff game, yeah, which, well, is, which is. is a good thing. Yeah. But when it's when you win, you're in. That makes it a true playoff game. Yeah. You know, you could, you could lose. We could have lost one of those games, and other situations give you the opportunity to make the playoffs, yeah. right? Yeah. But this one is uh, you could possibly make the playoffs, but the chances are so slim that this is a win-and-in operation, right. and that's a playoff game and, to and, me. And think about it, Coach. And It's thanks to what J- – how about the line undefeated in December? Okay? Think about that, and that has not happened. And now you have a chance to have a winning record inside your division. Talk about sending a message to those closest to you, your neighbors of the South. Seven-point favorite beat that Titan. Yeah, and I think uh, 
<laughs> Beat it. I, I, listen, on the on the post game show, I used the Michael other Jackson on you. Right I used now. the other. I used yeah. the other term rather yeah. than but. But uh, you know, which uh, had to be censored. I guess. I don't no, know it wasn't censored. Room. I oh, heard it. Oh, you heard it. Yeah, it was okay. pretty good well, too. Actually, Hacker just laughed at it. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, and, you know, and we always said, and and this has been uh, Doug Peterson's mantra mm-hmm. back before the four wins. He's never talked about the, the fact that we can't make the playoffs. Right. So they remember what you do in December. That was the college mantra. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. our pro mantra. We had to go in and win that month. Now, w- hopefully we didn't go in at one and whatever. Sure. You know, we, we're in close enough now. We win in December. We're the team that's uh, hot and going into the playoffs. And that, and that it bodes well for us. And to play off of what you're talking about – other teams would say, I don't want to see that team. Who else would you say that about? The two teams that played last night that they will not finish that game this week totaled 13 straight wins. Okay, one was on a seven-game win streak, the other one was a six-game win streak. The Green Bay Packers are probably a team right now that fits the description of you don't want to see them right now. Well, because of the quarterback. Yeah, of and course. I don't think really anybody wants to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers either. Mm-hmm. I think the Cowboys are working like crazy to, to get out of having to play that game by getting number two or one, which they possibly can Another well, another chicken in the egg there, a chicken yeah. or the egg there though. Is it so much that they're worried about the Bucks or the Cowboys just need to win a first round game? They need to win yeah, a playoff. That's game. That's true because there haven't been many of those over since we went to the Super Bowl in uh, Super Bowl Thirty. But mm-hmm. but really, if you've got a quarterback that can make things happen, unless you're just a bad team, and uh, you know uh, that is a concern. And I think Aaron Rodgers, obviously, the way they're playing right now, the team is playing pretty good. So let's get to the big topic that myself, Matt, a couple other primetimers woke up and had texts from Coach Campo about. The schedule. Saturday night. How do things change? I know obviously it, it's there's also the variable of the Titans played on Thursday night, so they have that extra time of rest. But for you and as a head coach, when your team had to play on short rest, a Saturday night game if you guys played a Saturday game, how do you approach that? And moreover, as someone pointed out to me yesterday, isn't there something to be said that this is a team that won three games in 12 days? Wouldn't they want to get back on the field immediately? Yeah, and, and, and uh, you know, I text everybody when I found out they were playing Saturday. And uh, Matt Hayes, uh, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, came back to me and said, come on, man, <laughs> you know, you're acting like a fan. And he was absolutely right because as a coach – Everybody's tired. Everybody's been through a, a tough season. It really doesn't matter. The thing that, as a coach that I look at, is the fact that you have one less day of game planning when you're in that situation, and the team you're playing has one or two more games. Now, sometimes, like you said, that can be the opposite. The opposite is you do too much because we're going to get the kitchen sink this weekend from from the Titans. Yeah. and. Let me tell you something. I don't like offensive coaches. I, I've made that very clear that I don't trust them. Sometimes when you start running reverse passes and stuff on, on you know, on a two-point play, yeah. things have gone a little too right. far, right. you know, and that, and that happens quite a bit. So, you know, any trick plays or whatever, you don't know what's going to happen in those situations. I think the team that's going to win this game is a team that executes – running the football, throwing the football, and just playing better football than the other team. So I want to ask you about Josh, but real, but real quick, you were, you were talking about the, the crazy game planning 
and, and how coaches can get in their own heads and stuff like that. Number one, how do you prevent yourself from doing that? How, how do you prevent your coaches from doing that? And number two, back to Josh Allen, he looks like he's playing better the last couple of games. He looks like he's more active. He looks like he's more invested. You know, I, when Walker went out, I think they started playing better up front. Now, that's not a knock on Walker, but it, it is a, 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 an example of a team that really, you know, wants this. They want to want to win. Key and, and even Chase on uh, also has, has, played well last has game, supplemented yeah. Allen. And I think Allen is playing better. There's no question about it. That's part of that whole thing. I think we're playing faster. Uh, you know, even this other the other day, they dropped Walker on a play and they and they got beat on a pass out in a flat. You know, let those guys rush the passer. And they put Walker inside. When he's inside, forget it. You know, they're gonna have a hard time blocking him. They've done that a little bit more. And uh to me, the outside rushers are playing better. I think the addition of Key, Key was all over the place, I thought, in that ball game. Even though he didn't get any sacks, he was he Gotta was in the right. face all yeah. the time. Yeah. So that's what yeah, that's what I love. And, and, right. and how do you keep hey, real quick, Joe, how do you keep your offensive coaches from doing dumb things like when when like the Texans had two quarterbacks in the field? Right. How dumb is that? Because yeah. then you just take your safety and say, All right, go go double. You go bracket their best receiver. Who cares about the quarterback, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I, I think the the first of all, you've got to go in and say, and hey, look, if we're gonna win this game, we have to execute better than they do. So Throwing something new in there, something that they haven't practiced, you know, just changes the whole dynamic of the game. And, and you know, there's situations where you have figured out in the game that they're doing something that you can take advantage of, like a flea flicker. They're attacking the line of scrimmage with their secondary, and now all of a sudden you go for a big one. You know, those kind of things. But when you start trying to game plan a bunch of tricks – you have to tell your guys, hey, look, let's just play football. We've got a, we've got the better team. Let's go out and play ball. And and I think that's what's going to happen this weekend. I really do. We'll keep it going. Our head coach, Dave Campo, hanging out with us at Sexel Primetime. First day back at work in 2023 and wishing all of you a happy new year. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. Since Coach Campo just asked about it off the air, we might as well dive into that as we begin once more our conversation surrounding what many are calling, Coach Campo, the biggest regular season game in Jaguars history. But yes, to answer your earlier question off the air, Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons are expected to play Mike Vrabel telling reporters yesterday that, quote, this should be the healthiest they've been together since October 23rd. Yeah, well, he's selling. You know, that's that's the oh, coaching yeah. thing. It's selling, baby. Get ready. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, that's a concern. I mean, that's why I think that we have to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball going in. I think they're better than they were that last time we played them with the, with the receiver you know, add something to them, and, uh, but they're banged up in the offensive line. We've got to take advantage of that. This is, that should be our win, but we've got to hold our own in the offensive line. And when you think about differences in game plans from a win up in Nashville, we're going back now a month and a half, but a win up there in second Sunday of December, and now how much will Doug Peterson change? Vrabel's got to change, okay, because of everything that they're dealing with. But how much will Doug 
in your estimation? I don't think he'll change much at all. You know, the one thing you've got going there is that they're pretty good against the run. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I think Trevor Lawrence can carve them up. So I, I don't, you know, they're going to they're gonna have to run the ball just to, to protect him for the play-action game and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, but I think they're going to basically go in with the idea that we're just going to run our stuff and see what happens. So it, it, This staff's been very good at isolating one guy on the offense, getting the ball to him, and it becomes this huge game for him. And the last time with the Titans, it was obviously Evan Ingram. Yep. So clearly the Titans are going to be looking for this, right? Yeah, but I, I think he's made it clear, uh, Matt, uh, that they don't really – game plan one guy they they are leaving it to the quarterback to make the decisions on what's available and I think that is what he's improved the most on so you're thinking this this is as much Trevor yeah in progressions as anything oh, absolutely okay. I I think uh you know I think I don't think we have a guy that you say we're going into this game and we're going to target this guy 10 times they have a guy that's the tailback Right, you know, but we don't have one of those guys in my mind. I think this is a committee, and I think they run their offense. They're attacking, you know, people. Right, you know, they they're going in and saying, okay, if that guy's one on one, it doesn't matter whether it's Zay Jones or or Christian Kirk, take a shot, or you know, that's targeting one guy. But it's more the system than it is the individual guy. So to Matt's point about Evan Ingram, will they target? Will they cover? Excuse me, will they cover Evan Ingram? double up on him, you know, whatever you want to bracket him, whatever you want to call it. I will say this, Matt, uh, the linebacking core for the Titans, have you looked at the depth chart? Uh, Zach Cunningham, injured reserve. Bud Dupree, injured reserve. Andrew Adams, injured reserve. David Long, who they thought might have a chance, Mm -hmm. has not been designated for return. He is also on injured reserve. And then, of course, Danico Autry did not play the last few weeks. And then uh, even old Dylan Cole listed as the starter on the opposite side at inside linebacker. Yes, the same Dylan Cole that was uh, literally uh, stonewalled into oblivion by one Trevor Lawrence's stiff arm Mm -hmm. back in Nashville a few weeks ago. He also did not play against the Cowboys. And so you're running Monty Rice, you know, who's a young player out of Georgia, as you're really your only starting linebacker who you definitively have who is 100% healthy. And that's why I think if you look at their – uh, back end, the linebackers in the secondary, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think we can be very effective with the guys we have against them. Uh, my only concern is pressure on the quarterback. You know, if there's a lot of pressure or we're not running the ball very well and we've got to throw the ball 50 times, that's my only concern really against our offense, against their defense. Right. But and we're going we're gonna to have to get off to a quick start because they're going to come out and go after us early. And it should be noted, Christian Fulton, uh, the star corner for the Titans, he has been practicing. Yeah, so but, but he, he's he could been be out for three weeks Correct. with a groin. And so at the very least, he's been practicing. A, but then also Hooker's been practicing. I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah, I think Go Hooker, Hawks. I Go think Hawks, Amani Hooker. Yeah, I think he's going to play, right? And so that's two of your four back right. there. And Amani Hooker presents such interesting matchups, and I can say this from covering him during his time, yes, in Iowa City, um, because he does play, or at least at Iowa he did, and he kind of does with Tennessee. He plays more of that fourth linebacker, the star role, as they right. call it, the cash position at Iowa. So, I mean, he's a guy that they could say, you're covering the tight end, and he can keep up with the tight end. And he can. He's also a really, you know, sure tackler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and again, I still think our offense will be able to handle all those situations. It's protect the quarterback and be able to run the ball effectively. You know, that's the key to me. 
I want to throw this one at you, Coach Campo, because I saw this this morning, and I've been waiting to bring this graphic up for you guys. So this is per, fo- per pro football focus. NFL cornerback receiving yards allowed per target versus forced incompletion rate. If you look at this plot chart, Sauce Gardner is all the way up here at the top. No one is getting near Sauce Gardner. And this is in the corner that's considered lockdown. You know who the second highest name is? The 32. Darius Williams. Oh, how about that? So I I want your perspective on that because we've talked a little bit on the program about his move to outside corner with Shaq Griffin, his face on a milk carton over the last few weeks since he was placed on IR. I want your perspective. I mean, does this reflect what we've seen on the field? I I think it does. I think he's playing much better outside than he that he did as a nickelback where he should have been. You know, and and to be honest with you, that was the move that they had to make based on the way things went. And and they didn't start that way. They they started out with uh, thirty seven going out there, and he can't play out there consistently. But Darius runs well enough that he can handle the you know the deep balls. He can he can you know do those things. And and to me, other than athletic ability, the outside position is much easier to play than the inside position because you got the sideline to help you and. You know, you can do things to to uh, help you with the inside breaking routes. All right, so I'm going to make you DC real quick for this game. You know what's coming. Everybody knows what's coming. What do you do? How, how do you attack? How do you attack the run game that the Titans are going to bring? Uh, I love, I love what uh, uh, our our guy was <laughs> losing my mind. Mm-hmm. The uh, it's population, mm-hmm. population. Mm-hmm. Get guys around the football. Right. You know, and and be honest with you, that's that's how you stop it. You know, you you're gonna you're gonna overemphasize the run. That's that's what you have to do, and that forces you to do certain things in the secondary. But as far as stopping him, you got to get people around that football. And the more guys you got close to the line of scrimmage, the better chance. Yeah, it's going to make them go man if they can. Basically, yeah, is that's what, what it's going to say. Do. So more yeah. more man than yeah. more yeah. man to man, yeah. and and they've got to get guys around the line of scrimmage. And when they and pressure, is going to creep up more. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll 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 uh, run blitz, which they've done a pretty good job yeah. with with the safeties. Yeah, with, Rayshon's going to Rayshon have to Jenkins have, yeah. is good, yeah. and they and they did it with Cisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in in that uh, game that when we turned the ball over with the Jets. All right, uh, one more uh, with Coach before we're out of here and we get you ready for the Frangie Show on a Happy New Year start to 2023 right here on 1010XL92.5 FM. This is XL Primetime, protected by preferred roofing on 1010XL. We are wrapping up our show. we got the Frangie Show coming up next. We've got a short work week, and we've got a game that happens faster than most of your NFL Sundays. It's a Saturday night under the lights against the hated Tennessee Titans. And, Coach, um, before we wrap up with you, you know, there's there's certainly a lot of things that we've pointed out as far as keys, the numbers that, that are down on that side, the numbers that are up on this side, the play of Trevor. Uh, but going into this last game, Coach Peterson's already basically said this is, you know, it has that playoff atmosphere to it. Does he do anything different? Does he do anything different with this regular season finale to make sure – because I've already heard from – Jaguar fans, as you might expect, they can't help but still be a little nervous facing the Tennessee Titans. Well, I, you know, I'm nervous in every game. I just said that off mm-hmm. the you know. I mean, there's no question that it, how you play that day. You turn the ball over three times, it's a yeah. different ball game. Doesn't matter who you are. 
So uh, I'm nervous from that standpoint. I really don't think he's going to do anything different. I think the way he approached this shortened period Mm -hmm. is key. You know, uh, I'm more worried about the game plan day than I am whether or not the guys are tired or not because I think everybody's tired. So to me, I think it's going to be a simple game plan. I think he's going to approach it with the idea that here's the things we're doing well. We're going to continue to do that. I think he'll scheme them a little bit in the run because of who they're playing against. Mm -hmm. And, And to me, that's going to be what they do. And defensively, I think they're just going to line up and do what they do. And I think they're playing better. So you're just relying on 16 is what you're doing. Absolutely. It's him. Quarterback is is playing at a high level. Uh, let him do his thing. Protect him. Mm-hmm. If we protect the quarterback, we win. Mm-hmm. That's, no, that's that, how I mean, I'm looking I, at it. I mean, that run from ETN last week, that kind of, you know, I kind of tweeted out, that's the Clemson Travis ETN. That's the Travis ETN that I think everybody thought they were going to get. You know, the guy that can hit that seam and boom, he's gone. Yeah, that's the first time I saw him out really outrun anybody. Yeah. And uh, that was a great. That's uh, also a big confidence, right? Yeah. For him. I, you know, there's no question. I mean, he, you know, he's been a little bit shaky, although he's he's running for over 100 here now. You mm-hmm. know, he's he's got a pretty good uh, thing going here right now. <laughs> so, you know, they're going to run enough to, to, to make sure they take care of, of the quarterback, and, and hopefully that'll be enough. Offensive line, I know we talked about Walker Little with the one sack, but other than that, what have you seen from them in the run game from pass protection perspective? I, I think they scheme great. I really do. I think, you know, uh, you know, going uh, against the Cowboys uh, to run the jet sweeps to get out in perimeter, you know, because my concern was they attacked the line of scrimmage and play the run off the pass rush. And I felt that it would be tough for ETN to get to the perimeter. Well, they did too. They schemed them. Mm-hmm. They they uh, got them in a situation where they uh, – And they put other players in position. They got yeah. Agnew and Kirk involved in those jet sweeps that, too. That's what I'm saying. They, they did it with the, with the jet sweep. The, I think they're very good at that. The, the 62-yard run, you know, they collapsed the line of scrimmage and they know their blockers, their two receiver blockers – are good blockers, yeah. and they blocked on that yeah. play. Maybe as good a receiving core blocking as I've seen in, in a long time. So I think they do things based on what they see and uh, take advantage of what their players can do very well. And I was saying last week about ETN that he needs to get skinny, and, and they were thinking I'm telling him to lose weight. No, he needs to just be a, yeah. little, oh, yeah. a little skinnier through the, through the hole, a little less available to hit right in the chest uh, from a defender. And to Matt's point, you know, as far as the speed goes, he probably is getting a little more feel. Here we are, uh, basically 20, 21 weeks of him going through preseason and regular season action, and he is starting to get a feel for, you know, just that sixth sense that comes along with running. Yeah, and and he's going to get that more. He carries the football. You know, he did something that I saw Tony Dorsett do back when I was at the University of Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. in 1974. When he broke through the secondary, he ran right between two guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he Beautiful. accelerated. He exploded through there. But, you know, I think overall, to keep from getting hit square, that's going to help him with the fumbles and, yeah. you know, that type of thing. Let's yeah. wrap with that, Coach mm-hmm. Campo. What bowl games piqued your interest this bowl season? Were you watching any of them intently? Well, I, yeah, I was watching the Kansas game, obviously, because I like Kansas, and that was a really good football game. I watched the SC, you know, Tulane Tulane game, and and that was a great game. And then the two playoff games, Mm -hmm. the Fiesta Bowl and the, uh, what is the other one? Peach. Uh, Peach. Yeah, I don't really 
look too much at what the bowl. I look who's playing. Yeah. And uh, they were good. They're all of them been good games. In fact, this year is the first game year right where the underdogs mm-hmm. yep. looked like they belonged. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, Nick Saban said the same thing. He said, I think they got a right of the top four teams yeah, in the country. Both of them of the top seeds almost got picked off. That's for sure. All right, real quick, a thought on what happened last night as a head coach seeing a player go down. The decision now has been made that they will not play this game this week. They still haven't ruled everything, but as a former head coach in the league, you know, you saw what happened with uh, Zach Taylor and, and Sean McDermott. It was very emotional. Well, they did the right thing in postponing the game. Now, that's up to the league what they want to do going forward. I don't think they're going to do anything until mm-hmm. they get a positive result mm-hmm. uh, with DeMar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was shocking. And, you know, I've been around it football for a long time. Right. And, and I've seen violent collisions yeah, and, and injuries. And, and, you know, everybody's gotten up. You know, there hasn't been anybody not get up that I've been around. Right. And for me – I was I was sick. I was shocked, but as a player, you know, I I never was putting myself out there with a chance to have that happen. Although I've gotten hit on the sideline a few times, yeah, but yeah. you know, I wasn't putting my life on the line. Whereas these players are, and it's so rare what happened. You know, if it is the hit to the to the yeah, heart, yeah. That, that right. was it, was it rather than a congenital situation? You know, right. Uchi. Weary, you know, that's a congenital situation to me. But this could have been either one. I I don't know what it is, but it was really a a shame uh, for uh, the mother. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing I thought about was was the mom is in the stands. You know, I mean, uh, that's her baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Real quick, an update courtesy of Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, who is up at um, in uh, Orchard Park where Mm -hmm. the Buffalo Bills Stadium is. Uh, He says his sense after getting asking around on the ground in Buffalo and at the stadium is that the Bills would be surprised if the Bengals game resumes at all. There's just no clean way to do it, and Buffalo's focus is solely on DeMar Hamlin right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Unfortunately, the NFL still has to make that decision. Coach, we've got a Campo and Joe podcast that we will fire up. Uh, we'll go Facebook Live right there at the top of the hour, so hang out with us and uh, keep it right here on 1010XL 92.5 FM as we welcome in the Francis Show. Hey, remember this? Oh, what an incredible save! He robbed him! Call it copyright, Delmore Blind! Oh! He's not getting up, Jim! He's not getting up, Jim! He's not getting up! I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Time now for a Modelo moment. Make your next moment with a Modelo. The ball goes into the end zone and it is incomplete. Intended for Gamble. Now there is a penalty flag thrown. Hold on. Oh, that's a tough call there. What about this angle? Bad call. Oh, I love the selection and editing that went into the championship game back in 2002. When you remember that moment, it depends on what side you're on, but that bad call is what most Miami fans remember. That was an unbiased view from uh, the broadcaster. By the way, he's the beautiful screaming way of at editing me. right there. He's screaming at me earlier in the show. You gotta come watch this. <laughs> he swears it was tipped at the line Dude, of scrimmage. I, okay, so which I, means it's not it's not pass interference. I've yeah. never seen. I mean, I've seen the play a thousand times, but I guess I always look at the contact between the wideout and the cornerback. I never really look at the ball leaving Krenzel's hands. But I looked closer this time, 
And I'm telling you, William Joseph tips the ball barely at the line, and it causes the ball to kind of flutter. Flutter. And if that's that's the case, we all know there can be no pass interference on a tipped ball. So that makes the ball call even worse than it actually is. It was a terrible call, okay? It was not pass interference. My point is, (laughs) it was not a a tip ball. (laughs) (laughs) Craig Krenzel did. He Uh, threw flutter balls. It's the truth. Frangie knows that. It's the truth. All right, with that. two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the sports world spinning with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Frank Frangie joins us now. The one beautiful thing about the Modelo moment is it will take us back in time, and we will argue about Craig stuff Krenzel, that is 20 years Craig old. Krenzel, was it, was it the pass interference? Was yeah, remember the, the pass interference? JJ swears yeah. he saw yeah. that it was tipped at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. 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 It was. Yeah. I just yeah. saw JJ, it JJ, I thought it was a blatant pass interference. <laughs> I can't believe the guy ran right through the guy like that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Jamie, they were cheating well, you know on. what? I have evidence that even if you do yeah. believe that, which yeah. I know you don't, yeah. then this – listen, if the ball got tipped at the line, it doesn't matter what happened in the end zone. You that can't call pass. It was a heavy flag that ref yeah. uh, by the, by the way, pulled out about five could, seconds later. I could care less about Miami or about JJ, <laughs> yeah. just so you know. But that was like the worst call ever Thank in the championship you. game. Thank it was you, a, just horrible. It, it's like – it, it happened. That play happened Saturday night. It was called yeah. Sunday morning is yeah. what it felt yeah. like. Yeah, it was right. that much of a gap in time. Uh, playoffs, baby. Yeah, you know what? This is such a weird day. Yeah. Because all of us were just so jacked out of our mind about what Saturday night's going to be like. It's going to be just mm-hmm. crazy, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been excited hard, hard to go to sleep. And then when we see what happened in the football game last night, it just – you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was a game that that game last night, Frank, we were all looking well, forward to. Well, that's right. And, and yeah. great point, yeah. Joe. But I but I just I'm like, gosh, I woke up this morning and there's a side of me that says, I can't wait till Saturday mm-hmm. and the tailgating and the you know, and, oh, and yeah. then there's another side of me that says, Golly, that puts it all in perspective. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean you guys have had to feel the same way. It's just mm-hmm. a we just a weird but but uh we're a couple of Ryan O'Halloran's gonna join us at three twenty. He was there last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He covers the game and he 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 works for the Buffalo News now and he's gonna talk about it. he went to the hospital afterwards too. So, so Ryan is going to start. He's in a different role now. Yeah, as correct. Far as, that's, yeah. Right. that's right. So he's going to at least at least what it felt like in the stadium, and he's going to give us an idea what what it felt like and what it felt like at the hospital afterwards. We're going to certainly talk about that. But as for the Jaguars, how amazing is this night going to be? Oh yeah. I mean, this is. I, I, Your tweet I, we, went viral, by the oh way. I saw a 904 happy hour. Yeah, yeah, everybody I mean, on the IG, I mean, they're all I mean, tweeting out, "Yes, Frangie." Yeah, I mean, can, can you imagine what the, what the scene's going to be? This place will be. It'll be all of it. It's Monster Jam. It's the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 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 the Victory Tour. I went to the Victory Tour. Yeah, you go to Victory yeah, Tour. Yeah. Victory Tour was awesome. There'll be a little drinking it. going on too. Oh my God! From about 10 in the morning. Right. Yeah. I mean, this will be open up the lots. Yeah. Even though this isn't a playoff game, you know, exercising an old playoff demon and the first. Here yeah. at night, uh, in this, even though it's not technically a playoff, it feels like yeah. it's a playoff. So we're, we're doing the Gator Bowl game the other day, and uh, it was Shane Matthews, who's one of my favorite all-time people. He goes, dude, you know what I do for a game? I said, what's that? Tailgate. I said, oh, no. <laughs> I said, before you call it, yep, dude, I do there. I do my little pregame, yeah. then a tailgate, and I call it a game. Yeah, so he- I said, well, you know, I've never tailgated before calling a game, Matty. But here's the test this week, okay? Right. If, if you're ever going to be pushed, Mia, this would be this is when you're pushed. Yeah. I probably won't. I'll see you. But one. I can at least run through my yeah. mind. Right? I'll see you at one. You might yeah, be tempted. Yeah. Because yeah. Coward will be at eight tailgates. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he Coward will be. He'll, well, be, I'll say he'll this. need I'll a scooter. He'll be at so many dang tailgates. I will say this much, Frank. Uh, the Wingstop kickoff show yeah. is at Tailgaters Parking. So even if you don't want to uh, participate in a libation, I we do start live. three thirty. Yeah. I could come on live. And so I will and I will tell you this as well. Apparently the Bold City Brigade boys, which they're about yeah. half a mile, yeah. not even. I walk yeah. it all the time after our show. They are gonna be doing a um seventy seven seconds of silence for Uche. Which is great. So yeah. so they're so you know those guys, by the way, Capito's guys, 
It's oh amazing gosh, what yeah. they've done. Yeah. It's freaking amazing what they've built. It's it's an international right. Thing. Was, oh, there's uh, people coming over. Dilla, yeah. Dilla yeah. told me too yeah. when I talked to him over the weekend. Like they're it's amazing from the UK. The it's amazing what yeah. those cats have done is, is really amazing. Well, let's see. I'm what so I'm, I'm, what I'm on. I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it three fi- and I'm on at three fifty. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Three fifty. Yeah. And it's Mia kind of invited me to do it live now. Okay. You you guys heard the invitation. And then just walk from there right over to the rail cars and you will still find more fun. (laughs) One of the eight stop, one of the eight coward tour stops. But but today we'll certainly we're certainly going to talk about what happened last night and 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 where where we are now and and Ryan O'Halloran telling us what it was like in the stadium. And then it'll all be Jags and Texans and Titans and and an amazing weekend coming. We'll also look back at the crazy, crazy uh, but what a great bowl season, by the way, wasn't it? What, what, oh, a great, what, what, how about, what a great Gator Bowl. The buzz around the city yes, it and was, the Matt. game day. and it, I, The stadium was as loud as it's it, been in it was a the long best time. Gator, it was the best Gator Bowl game since the old days. Yeah. It was the best Gator Bowl game since probably 80s or 90s. I yeah, said, much needed. Much I needed. said to uh, GM Steve Griffin, and I don't know if yeah. you felt this way, Frank, because I know obviously because you were calling the game, yeah, you were there yeah. earlier, but since we went till 3.30, mm-hmm. driving over the Hart Bridge. Right. It looked like Florida, Georgia. It did. It, it's a great call. Yes, yeah. I, I totally agree with it. That it, was incredible. It, it felt like that in the parking lots. It felt like that. It was. It was honest to God. It was one of the best feelings. Gamecocks party. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, and I said it. Yeah. Who the last person to leave Columbia needed to turn out the lights? Yeah. Because they were all here. <laughs> they, were. they were all. But it was great. It's all coming up. Thanks. All guys. right. Sounds good. Frank, uh, Hayes, Lauren, Gibby. They'll all have it coming up. We are out. Uh, don't forget Campo and Joe. We'll crank out a little podcast coming up in just a little bit on Facebook Live. But we say thanks to Beaver Chevy, Beaver Toyota. We are done for the day, Joe. OC, MOB, me, O'Brien, Matty Hayes, back from vacay, Big Surge, and JJ.